On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that's, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new, uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened. So that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers, they were, it was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. For some reason, the U.S. media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering. But wait, I thought the opposition protesters were just peaceful activists who wanted a chance to join the European Union. Well, yeah, that's the official narrative that the U.S. media outlets are peddling. But the real story is far more ominous. It turns out that the most powerful and influential contingent in the opposition is a coalition of literal fascists and neo-Nazis. And they aren't peaceful. In fact, they're extremely brutal. This is a picture of Victoria Newland from the U.S. State Department meeting with Ole Tanibok in February. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Tanibok in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. That same Victoria Newland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call discussing who they would put in power. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um... The, the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as Deputy Prime Minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now, so we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleet should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think what, in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I, kinda... I, I, I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level... Working for Yatsenyuk, it's just not going to work.
welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Sunday, October 16th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Going to be another good show today. Won't be as long as last time. I don't think we'll get that long in quite a while. (laughs) That's hard for me. But a lot of important stuff to cover today that overlaps with some pretty interesting discussions of foreign policy. Haiti regime change, something that the U.S. government's very familiar with. Ukraine regime change, we just pointed at in the beginning there. The reality of what all this ties together, United States regime change. Right. What, what all the stuff we're looking at today, or rather, you know, world regime change, global government shift. It's really disconcerting to see that they think that they have the ability to, while what's happening in the world, basically stick their fingers into the situation and say, we think the world should step in and help Haiti. Well, why exactly is Haiti having the kind of protests and and dis- destabilization, however they're framing it, that they are? Well, you can go back as far as you want and realize that the U.S. government has had its fingers in this situation long before the Clinton administration, but in general, for a long time, manipulating, pulling the strings. And we can see how this is happening everywhere else in the world, not everywhere, but the places we've talked about in the past all around the world. But then you can come right up to the point of COVID-19 and even just the Great Reset and realize that it's one of the places that's been a little bit of a problem. We've seen what's happened to a lot of these African nations that pushed back during COVID-19. This may be one of those one of those situations. We're going to go through it not incredibly in depth. I'm going to be I'm, I might be focusing on this in a future show. Regardless, I want to just make sure you guys see what's happening here and the the points that are sticking out to me. We're going to talk about the Haiti part to start some foreign policy in general around I mean a couple small points around January 6th and how that overlaps. But we're going to talk about Ukraine. And the admission that the Ukrainian government was behind the bridge explosion that none of the corporate media wants to point at. We're going to talk about the overlap with that and the the kamikaze drones and how those are being used and where those came from. And just the absurdity absurdity around the entire discussion of Ukraine and how the corporate media is ignoring literally anything that doesn't align with, well, I guess like everything else that they do in COVID and all the other stories. Well, we're going to talk about the Elon Musk situation, not the way you might think, in fact, but how interesting I think that this is and what this shows us, him being on the kill list that I'll go, I'll even go through their fact check on whether this kill list is what we say it is and so on. And it's exactly what you might think it is. And it's pretty insulting the way that they try to fact check the obvious reality of average people, including Americans around the world, being placed on kill list for the Ukrainian government that's weirdly being funded by the U.S. government. It's pretty telling. We're also going to talk about the most important election of our lifetime. (laughs) You knew that was coming. I just can't believe they're still childishly putting that forward. Joy Reid is one of them. I know we say this every time, but I swear this time is the most. Yeah, we're we're going to laugh about that together. And then we're going to talk about the, as I framed it in the title today, the the COVID jab tides have turned. And I mean, you could have said this six months ago, to be quite honest. But I think today we're at a point, and the, the real point to, to go along with that statement is that that does not mean that anything is going to change unless we change it. They will never stop pushing what they're going to push. But we're at a point now, and again, you could probably have said this for six months, that it's undeniable what you're looking at. 
just across the board, a quick example that I'm going to go through in the show today is, for instance, a, a, a clip coming from corporate media saying this woman was paralyzed by her by COVID-19 and she's only just learning to walk again. And the only point that connects the two is simply that it happened after they said she had COVID. So it's OK for them to be subjectively just leaping to conclusions based on what they think. But, you, of course, you can't even use peer-reviewed science to make an argument if it goes against what they think. Of course not. The problem, though, is you can't find any real connection other than some foggy, long COVID conversation, except guess what you find when you simply search transverse myelitis, which is what they're claiming she has. I mean, at least seven or eight peer-reviewed studies, all of which find a connection to the vaccine. This is my point. It takes a special kind of willful ignorance, just absolute stupid, to not be able to think that is interesting and ask yourself, could it be the thing that all this science points at? Or could it be the thing that they go, this is happening because we said so? I mean, it's, it's amazing. And I think most people, unless they are absolutely willfully ignorant, genuinely stupid, or invested in the narrative, can see that. At least can ask the question and go, well, gee, if it's that obvious, here's all the peer-reviewed science. Why are they yelling us down for even asking this question? And there begins the journey of truth that many people are going through right now. I think it's that obvious. So the tides have turned. It has long since happened, but it's becoming more and more obvious. And that is also where I like to couch the conversation of even though that's happening. And yes, it's a good thing. We need to be extra on guard for the people, as always throughout history, especially over the last so many decades, swing in there as the new saviors of the conversation that are actually not on your side. Even when they fail, you understand, they're already looking ahead to the next agenda and couching people in the next conversation, having these new people in the independent media that were just 30 seconds ago screaming you down as a conspiracy theorist that are suddenly seeing the light. Now, yes, I hope that they are, but we should never take that at face value. Again, make the argument of the supposed independent media of the past, the Young Turks and the Vice News and all those. Yeah, they're really on your side, aren't they? I mean, some people still buy into it, but the people that watch those shows are the ones that watch corporate media. You see the point? And at one point, they were the ones that were fighting against the corporate media. It's, I don't think it was ever honest. But we'll go through all this today, including the COVID-19 discussion to the, the variants and the bivalent conversation and how, guess what, even within their narrative, it already doesn't make sense. That's not even talking about how dangerous and untested and everything else we're talking about around the bivalent, but the idea that they're already going, new variants that are overtaking everything 30 seconds later. And yet they're still forcing this thing on people, even though it wasn't tested. And even though now within their narrative, the variants don't even line up anymore. And just like we told you. Pretty crazy. Now, let's start off with the Pelosi clip that I wanted to talk about just over a, a January 6th conversation. That I do think is very interesting. This is the only one point we're going to make on this. And I didn't really it. I should. I wish I would have had this included in a previous January 6th focus conversation, but this is something I'm sure you've all seen. Tom Fitton shared it, Breaking 911. It's all over the place. But in case you didn't, I wanted you to see this. So this is at a point when the whole January 6th thing was in the midst and everyone was getting scared. And Nancy Pelosi, and I'll, I'll just play it for you, threatens to punch the president. Now, the way that she's speaking, you can, I mean, you can imagine the way this would be covered if it was in the reverse. Now, first of all, isn't that a crime, technically? Talking about, uh, like, speaking that, she, I mean... Claiming to physically assault the president, a threat at the very least. Now, I'm not going to pretend that that should be followed up on people. It's, it's, it's a ridiculous thing that even pretend should be legal. Regardless, the point is what it shows you. The way that this was, and then, of course, including all the other information. 
They wanted this to happen, in my opinion. This was all for show. The fact that it's being filmed, the way that they were looking at the camera. I mean, everything in my, it, it's pretty clear. But what's important to see is that they were expecting, I believe, Trump and everybody else to come marching in there like they were going to take over the world. And nobody bought it because it was flimsy and it was in, and clearly a setup. That's why they were calling Ray Epps a Fed. That's why people were pushing back. But yet they still had enough people there to make this happen. This, I mean, I'm speaking based on things we can prove, by the way. There were people there in the government, people in the military, people in special operations, people in intelligence, admittedly so in groups, in militias. I mean, it's, it's just we have people from Antifa that were caught on the record saying that they tricked them to go in. I mean, it's embarrassingly obvious that they ignore all of this while they're going out of their way to it, put grandmothers with cell phones that happened in the room in jail right now for that. But listen to what she actually said here, because I do think this is pretty telling based on the mindset of the people involved. And you can only imagine how this would be in, in, in the reverse if this was Trump saying this about Pelosi. And that's what this is all about. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could... Hmm. I would come to him and punch him out. And so my mom, I would pay to see I'm that. waiting for this. I would pay the to see that. Trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to Trespassing on the Capitol grounds. So explain for me how the President of the United States would be trespassing on Capitol grounds. Right? I mean, I mean, this is just absolutely ridiculous. Go to jail and I'm going to be happy. So you'd punch him in the face and then he'd go to jail. Okay, so there's a lot to... To, to kind of pull out of that little thing there. Why did she think that he would go to jail if he comes to the Capitol and she punches him in the face? I mean, this is just classic Nancy Pelosi. She's lighting the cat out of the bag in a very easy way because the whole point was that that's how that was supposed to go. This is my, all my opinion, but I think this is backed up by a hell of a lot of information around this story. So just realize all this kind of speaks to the first point and where we're going to go with Haiti, the, the coordination, the what uh, what seems to be the you could argue a manipulative outside force kind of of uh, a regime change of our government. Right. I mean, that doesn't have to mean necessarily Democrat versus Republican. In fact, you know, that's not what I mean. I look at it more of an outside force in the world government, the great reset, that kind of idea. Again, what, it's something that was like in the mainstream conversation, laugh out loud, stupid. Well, if you if you would mention new world order, world government, I mean, even before COVID, it was black tinfoil hat ridiculousness. Now that they all have open rants about screaming about the new world order, even though it's always been there and more people are awakened to the idea that this is whether you want to call it conspiracy theory or not, the beginnings of a world organization, a government, a an institute, whatever, whatever word you want to use, a top down control world power that is dictating things, whether not just on pandemics, but on environmental policy, everything we can see. It all ties into everything. That's the point. So all of this is about how these things are being circumvented around the world. And the U.S. government is a huge source of this. And I argue for, to a larger agenda than what we're seeing, whether that's even what they are anymore. These are questions we all should be asking. But to go forward, to start off with this, or, or to continue off this one point, just in case you want to read more on this, this is the show I did called January 6th, The Failed False Flag Meant to Blame Russia and You, using the CIA-grown Azov Battalion, the Azov Movement. There's the point about the regime change effort. This was meant to create the false flag that was used to justify the action to drive us into this situation. I mean, from many different angles. And this is the Patriot Front, January 6th, and the Vanilla ISIS PSYOP. 
all this goes into the bigger picture, just in case you wanted to read more on it. Now, of course, all this ties back to the idea that we're under some massive white supremacy threat, right? Fascism is overtaking the country. Well, guess what? You're actually correct, except it's not the people you're pointing at. What's interesting, though, is that these are the kind of people pointing at the Republicans and saying that they are the problem. They are the racist evil ones, right? Now, of course, could you point out that there are people in these in any situation that are racist or have distasteful ideas or outright gross, disgusting ideas? Yes, you'll find it anywhere. And you know what? Here's one of them right here. This person who is a New York State Assembly member writes, anti-white racism is not a thing. Genuinely says that this person responds. First of all, that's just a stupid statement because that means you're redefining what racism is, which is exactly what she does in the next comment comment down here. Racism means discriminating against people based on their race, period. Just like they change the vaccine definition or herd immunity definition or every other thing they want to change. That's happening here, too. This person responds by saying, can't there be bigotry against any group of people? Yes, is the answer based on the race or ethnicity. Here's an interesting point they throw in, though. After all, Race is a, is a cultural construct, which I'm not sure I don't really think that's the case, but it's how do you deal with Jewish people, Laura asks, who some consider non-white and others consider white. Well, let's be clear. Jewish people are there's any number of Jewish people all around the world that can be black. They can be Ethiopian. They can be white. They can be. So it's kind of this is the manipulation of this concept to begin with, first of all, whereas you have the religion and then you have people that identify as Jewish as a you know, that aren't necessarily born in in Israel, which is where they try to overlap the race versus the religion. But regardless, the point here is that there's a category of people that are absolutely white, that they're Jewish, right? So is she saying that you're that, that anti-white racism against Jewish people is not a thing? Oh, wait a minute, because that's not what she wants to say, right? Because they're, what she's talking about is against white Americans, right? Or Europeans, except there are other white people, you understand. But you see, this is where their logic falls apart, because really, as she says down here, all kinds of racial prejudice exist, but but racism is prejudice plus power. I see. So you can just redefine the reality because that fits your personal understanding. Nope, that's not how that works. But it says systemic power. I'm sorry you had to experience horrible anti-Semitism. White supremacy and anti-Semitism are much linked. Well, okay, but why don't you break that down, right? If you're saying white anti-white racism is not a thing, that would include people that are white that are Jewish. So you just argue that you can't be racist against a Jewish white person. But you say, oh, no, now she tries to fine tune it and tweak it. There are many really great texts I can suggest if you'd like to read more. But no, it's it's both and they're connected. And well, that doesn't make sense. You see, the problem is that this is people who are saying what they think that they're supposed to say. And she believes this, it would seem based on other work you can look at in her Twitter feed. But this is dumb. This is the opposite of racism. This is ignorant or willfully racist covering that by attacking what she calls your racism. I mean, this is crazy. This is the reality we're seeing all around the world, though, in a lot of different crazy ways that aren't just about race. I argue all of this are means to an end to drive us in a large direction. We're being socially engineered. We have been for a very long time. But by the way, that's what you're looking at here, like we just talked about. This is what, right, what racism looks like. White students banned from Black History Month events. I don't care whether you think it's justified. I don't care if you, whatever. Even if you, if everyone in the world agreed that this should happen, it's still racism because words have meaning. But nobody cares about that today, of course. Not should they, nobody, but okay, talking about censorship. This is the next small part we're going to talk about before we get into uh, the Haiti discussion and then Ukraine. I want to just make this point again really quickly. We just talked about this the other day. This person was saying, I'm not a lawyer, 
So Barnes Law, please correct me if I'm wrong here, but did Alex Jones' case just open the door for people like Rachel Maddow to be sued? But see, here's the problem. We, I, I mean, every one of us that have been attacked, you know I have been throughout COVID-19, censored, shoved aside, disregarded. You know that in, when you hear, you, you want to go, yes, hold them accountable, right? Sue her till she has nothing left because you know what? She deserves that. But let's be real about this. This is the part about where we need to be better and not be the same way they are. And look, I know where she's coming from. I'm not even trying to call attack or call anybody out. That's this, I, this is an understandable argument to make. But this is a, wanting to continue to work within the broken system, isn't it? Because if you allow them to be sued, well, isn't that the same thing? Yes, it is. Because all you're doing is allowing people in media positions to be sued based on opinions or false statements. Because guess what? You're allowed to be wrong now here's the fr- the frustrating part and again i didn't even see this before i'm not trying to call her out but her th- her taxes is free speech abo- abo- absolutist but that doesn't seem to be the case unless she's tr- just making a joke which i'll give her that this could be like shouldn't we do that if they did this just try to make a point regardless if you're absolutely a free speech absolutist then you should immediately know that the one thing we shouldn't do is the same thing back to them even though the- oh, let me be clear though these people should be in jail for crimes that were committed Not the fact that they sat there and lied to you about this, but the collusion with the government, the understanding that they were. There's a lot more going on here than just coming up in front of a camera and saying things that aren't true. But that needs to be protected, even for people like this. And I know that's a hard position to understand, but that's when nothing worth doing is ever easy. If you absolutist about free speech, then that's the kind of thing you need to be making clear. But the problem is this is coming out from a lot of angles. That's that's why I want to show that first part again, because this is somebody else. This is a, a journalist for 27 years, former member of European Parliament, a journalist. If Alex Jones has been ordered to pay almost a billion dollars for lies that impacted 15 people, which is not actually what the charge is, that's the way it's being kind of watered down throughout the discussion points. I do agree that about that the the lies or the framing of how he told misinformation or whatever, that's what they want you to, that's how they package it on the media. But when you break it down, it's more about the the what they claim was the effort to go after the family and, and doxing and stuff like that. Not in no way am I defending what's happening here. I think what they're doing to him is ridiculous. He has a right to be wrong or be right or say whatever he wants about these kind of stories. And look, that's the, that's a part that gets people upset. I know it's a sad story. People, kids dying or the story about the kids dying. But the point here is that you have a right as somebody covering the story to cover that story. Feelings matter, to, I, obviously, in my opinion, but it shouldn't be up the, a mandatory thing, right? You have a, a right to be distasteful. You have a li- right to do any of these things. It's all free speech, right? You don't care about free speech unless you're willing to, to defend the worst of the speech. My, my opinion would be that, you know, there's a reverence that goes along with these, not reverence, but a decorum that goes along with these things, right? Whether it's a true story or not, you're still talking about a story that's hard for people to, to, to digest, kids dying, right? So when you cover it, you show some, some decorum. That's my opinion. But regardless, you have a right to come out and just say they're all lying or that person laughed. Therefore, he's lying or whatever. You have a right to be wrong. The problem is they're creating a situation where they get to dictate where the line is based on feelings. And that's ridiculous. But the problem here is, is how many billions should we find these people? And you're right back in the same position. Now, let me, I'll make a differentiation here. Biden, Fauci, Gates, some of these people. 
deserve most of them really but my point is you got people like mark zuckerberg and different people involved well look i mean i'll even go as far as to say that most of these people almost every single one of them are politicians so really it's not about fining people they should go to jail for criminal activity right so just that but the problem is we're still kind of talking about finding the people that were on the other side of this narrative and i you get my point i just think it's important that we're not quickly maybe that's the whole reason they want us to take this bait i don't feel i, I don't trust the situation coming from the side that it is in regard to that whole conversation. You know my opinion of the platform. But regardless of that, true or not, it can still be used against us. And if we jump into this wholeheartedly with both feet, it just opens up the door. It's kind of like the situation of people cheering on the censorship of the other side and then getting it coming around and biting them in the butt. That's how that tends to work. But as Zuby points out, any, and there's been this another dropping of followers and so forth on Twitter. Everyone's pointing at it. Anyone else follower count going up and down rapidly, erratically? I just chimed in just to say, anyone else lose seven accounts so far for posting peer-reviewed science? No, just me? Okay, never mind. You know, it's, just, it's funny how there's always this new ebb, these new rises of the conversation where you get a new grouping of people that think this is a new unprecedented century. No, there's many of us that have been going along the flow for a decade now. And it's, not, it's nothing new under the sun here. Censorship is everywhere. But I'm glad new people are beginning to see it. It's important to see the full context, though. Now, in the context of Haiti, this is a it's a frustrating conversation because this is a a place that has been under the boot of imperialism for so long. I mean, just just the idea of the Clinton administration or specifically the Clinton Foundation and what they've done in this country and zero accountability. It is horrific. Now, it's funny. I, I thought about pulling this up before and then I decided not to. I'll grab it real quick. On that note, let me save this real quick. There we go. But here is, uh, I want to bring up this article about Haiti that I wrote a while back when I was still writing articles as often as I was. But the idea that, you know, there there is an overwhelming amount of information showing you, and I, I don't even, I mean, I'm, I'd be willing to go absolutely go as far as to tell you, Really? There it is. I'm going to be the first one that pops up. Doctor Who is the first thing I wrote. But that there, I mean, this is not a question. Read this article if you actually care to understand. The doctor who exposed the Clinton Foundation corruption found in Haiti found dead. There's a lot of situations like this. As you know, look up the Clinton body count. That doesn't mean every single one of them are necessarily provable. But the idea that there's a very, 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 very high number of people suspiciously dying around the Clintons when they know something or shouldn't have, you know, it's overwhelming. But this is a very provable case of somebody that was on the record screaming that they didn't do what they were supposed to. Disaster management on the ground was non-existent. Cheerios on the tarmac are not getting it done. Like So they take millions and millions and millions of dollars in donations, over $30 million, and yet they send Cheerios. Right, he gets there and they bear, they don't even have basic functioning materials to do surgery. I mean, and this guy was screaming about this. He's like, they, as he said, doctor. He he actually wrote the piece, CNN uh, piece from CNN. Doctors, Haiti medical situation shameful, and he was openly calling them out. They said they says they found scores of patients with pus dripping out of open extremity fractures, crushed injuries. Some wounds are already ridden with maggots. This is the place that's supposed to be funded with the thirty million the Clinton Foundation raised for these people. Understand, this is at a time when it was way past the point. They had only sent what they wanted to. The rest went to what they wanted to use it for. They stole this money. P politicians spoke out. People on, in, on the ground spoke out. And many of them went mysteriously missing. Or people died. Like the one guy who was a Haitian politician supposedly crushed his own neck while he was working out with a barbell. 
That's not, um, this is real story stuff. The bottom line though, guys, is this is what's been going on in this country. They've been abused. They've been manipulated by people like the Clinton Foundation. So now we see another situation. Biden family, interestingly tied directly to the Clintons in a lot of ways. The Washington Post editorial board just called for U.S. military action against Haiti. And this is not a joke. This is the Washington Post. Yes, intervene in Haiti and push for democracy. Right. Because we all know what democracy means to them. Just just look at the democratic state of Ukraine, you know, very clearly. Or how about the democratic state of Bolivia, you know, operating under the military junta that took place after the the legitimate election observed by international observers that reelected Evo Morales. And then they used a military junta to remove him and scream democracy, right? That's, or look at the democratic state of Libya. You know, you know how often their democratic revolutions work out, right? I shouldn't say revolutions, regime change. As, as Hassan points out, open up, democracy's here. You know, that this is the joke that we all, that we, uh, everybody knows how ridiculous this is, but this is actually happening. And as, oh, actually, well, here was the, the post that he's referencing. U.S. backs sending international forces to Haiti, draft proposal says. A U.N. draft resolution citing instability and violence in Haiti. Well, first of all, what's the instability and violence coming from? Are we talking about rebel groups fighting for new people it's not even the classic situation for the most part you might expect the reality i think that there is they're framing a lot of stuff that is pushed back against international actions the let the just like we're seeing everywhere else a lack of the ability to buy they, they don't have the the rising prices in their lives in every other part of the world gas and food and everything else but they've been protesting against a lot of this world's the, the great reset direction stuff for a while now is that the violence they're pointing at like the violence of the Ottawa trucker protest? Is that actually what's happening? I'm not saying there's not violent protests. We're seeing it a lot. But how, on top of that, this place has one of the lowest vaccination rates in the world. Just something to think about. Now, it says the, the Biden administration, of course, you know, reluctant hero, of course, may be willing to participate in a multinational mission that has military component. Or we got the Biden administration, or rather the U.S. government and the forces pushing this, the ones driving this into reality. Let's not pretend this isn't some organic resolution and the Biden's like, well, maybe, you know, we might get involved with that. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet this is them pushing this forward and acting like the reluctant part of it, as they've done many times in the past. Just my opinion. The United States has drafted a United Nations Security Council resolution, which, again, the point is the United States is the one that drafted it. But then the Biden administration acts like they're like, well, we might be involved. We're not sure yet, but we're the one that wrote it, though. That's how stupid it is. The immediate deployment of a multinational rapid action force. Right, a multinational rapid action force, so probably a NATO thing, I'd argue, to Haiti in response to the rapidly deteriorating security and humanitarian situation there. Like, So they care about the humanitarian situation in, in Haiti, but don't care about the largest humanitarian crisis on the world in Yemen or equally problematic in Palestine? Right. What about the starving people in Syria? Oh, that's right, because you're doing all those things. You're burning the wheat fields and stealing the oil and stopping them from being able to bring in food. And oh, OK, so you don't care about the ones you cause. But wait a minute. You're also causing this. So what's the benefit here? Why focus on one place that's provably less problematic? It's hard to even say that when you're but when you're comparing it to a place like Yemen, that's an easy point to make. Why do they care about one and not the other? Anybody want to explain that to us? Right. And somebody points out world police. Like, what about the argument that they don't want to be the policemen of the world? They really love to say that right up until they become the policemen of the world. They don't mean any of it. They lie about everything. I think we should be able to understand that by now. A multinational rapid action force. Get ready for the new normal, right? This is a foreign policy new normal. 
even though it's already been the case, they're just blatantly saying this. I mean, when's the last time they openly said, we're going to draft a resolution to regime change that country, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's right on the surface. It says the drafting of the resolution follows a push by the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres for the creation of an international force to bolster the Haitian national police. Great. So now you're you're bolstering a national police force from the United Nations. I mean, we're looking at the, the this is the world government, a world apparatus sticking its fingers into Haiti because it decides to. Is that what the Haitian people want? Is that even actually what's happening? I'd like to argue that based on everything that's happened in the past there, that we shouldn't believe what they're saying. Just a thought. Just wait till we get into the Ukraine part. Guess what? Russians are giving their soldiers Viagra to rape Ukrainians. Where have we heard that before? I guess they missed the part where they already got exposed for how the story that was supposed to start that argue has already been proven to be false. You know, that they were raping people based at the government's direction. And then they said, oh, sorry, we lied about all that. And then the UN steps in and goes, but they're using Viagra. Oops, it's already been broken down. Too late. Their propaganda is falling apart before you can even add the second part of it, huh? Well, here is Kian Bayat Bot pointing something out in regard to this post. A failed state, an aid trap, the modern world's first nation born of a slave revolt. This has been posted on May 21st, 2022. We just published an investigation on an overlooked part of history, examining what might have been if Haiti had not been looted since its birth. Of course, this is what they love to do, right? Where they swing in way after the fact and be like, here's why we're bad. <laughs> yeah, well, why weren't you saying that when it was happening and the independent media was going, look at what's happening. And you guys are like conspiracy theorists. And then after they've already raped and pillaged the country, you look back and go, oh, too bad we looted them since birth. Yeah, that's how that works. Or pointing back at things like, look at how the vaccines weren't working in the beginning, Trump. Well, too late. You already gave 60% of the population at least one shot. So that may have been the point. So we, when we see the controlled release of information, we just start asking why they're telling you that now. But he points out, a major revelation buried deep within this excellent historical overview. France's then ambassador admits on the record that the U.S. and France orchestrated a coup against Haiti's elected president. Oh, yeah, exactly. And this is my point. So this stuff gets quietly dripped out way after the fact, now that it's no longer important to hide it. You know what happened to you when you said this was a U.S. regime change when it was happening? Conspiracy theory, even by the New York Times. It's easy to look up. It's, this is how this always goes. We're watching controlled media. But it says, uh, but Mr. Bucard, the French ambassador, told the Times in a recent interview that France and the United States had effectively orchestrated a coup against Mr. Mr. Aristide by forcing him to into exile. I'll actually read you a part of this in a second, coming from Global Research. All right, so they are the ones that created the coup, that created the situation that they're now pointing at and going crazy, we need to do more. So they're justifying their own intervention because of their previous intervention. Why do we let these people continue to play this game? That's the point. Either you don't care that they're actively destroying places while continuing to claim they're freeing them, or you're acknowledging that they're so bad at what they claim they want to do that they fail anyway. I say this all the time. So however you pretend this is going forward, they should not be allowed to keep doing this. I mean, this, this, they are batting zero if you believe they're trying to free places or liberate them. It's, it's, I mean, that's crazy. It says, and while Mr. Aristide's demand for financial restitution from France was not the principal reason, he said his ouster had added the benefit, uh, added, had added benefit. It ended the noisy campaign for, for Mr. Aristide, Mr. Aristide's campaign, which had landed with the force of a grenade, threatened to blow up the relations of all former colonies. This made his removal all the better. 
I mean, it, you know, th- this is like screaming you down for saying that there were no double WMDs. And then, and then even after the fact, you still get called a conspiracy theorist, right? And then the quasi-independents skip in the middle of the conversation and act like we're breaking the story of something that we were screaming about two years ago. Welcome to the COVID-19 evolution, right? That's what a lot of people are beginning to understand. But this has been happening for a long time. So again, please be skeptical of the people stepping in and acting like they're now the ones leading the conversation, especially for the ones that were calling you a conspiracy theorist right up until a week ago, right? Or the people that went out and got the shot and then suddenly changed their tune, right? There's a lot of people out there that are not fully on your side, in my opinion. Just be skeptical, guys. Here is what Jay Pierre points out. Let's remember that Haitian people have been protesting nonstop for eight weeks against both the UN US puppet government, that government's recent removal of fuel subsidies, which increased inflation by 30%. It's like everywhere else in the world right now, except these people were in a a, a much worse situation to begin with. I mean, it's the same situation as most of these places. They use that to abuse them, but like in Yemen or anywhere else, these places were already struggling because of other outside manipulation, and then they capitalize on that and use that to push them even further into desperation and use that right now to justify why we need to take over the country. But it says these protests have been hidden in the media as focus on gangs. Sound familiar? Right. Like like MS-13, they fo- no, they're not saying there's not terrible gangs in certain places. But anytime you have places that are destabilized like this because of foreign policy, gangs tend to rise into the position so, or and a lot of times by design. Right. Sort of like the warlords in Afghanistan that all the money went to those piece, those Many of them were not accidental. Regardless, they focus on those alone and act like that's all that's happening. It's not. But as Marcos points out, it's not just eight weeks. Last time he checked, he said they've been protesting against the PHTK and the, the CRE group since 2018. The U.S. lamestream media have been burying those protests for quite some time. And her point was simply like, I, this time around, she knows they've been protesting for years now, but really just this last eight weeks has been sustained. And I think that's important because it is specifically focused on the regime change effort, the global agenda, and the Great Reset. So isn't that pretty telling that suddenly one of the most obvious pushbacks that's happening around the world gets focused on as a regime change? Pretty telling. Well, guess what else is important to understand? As I said before, experts puzzled by why Haiti has one of the lowest COVID-19 death rates in the world, despite administering zero vaccine doses, at least as of May 2021. We don't know. We're baffled. Maybe there's more to this story. Maybe there's a reason that they don't want the biggest control group in existence to be seen. Just a thought. But here's the real point of this. Now, you should really read this whole article. I don't reference global research enough. I used to more so than I do today. There's just so much going on. There's so many outlets. But they do a great job. That We've actually interviewed, or actually Taylor interviewed uh, Professor Michel Trostovsky, who is the, the editor of the platform. But read the whole thing. This is from January 30th, 2017. There's a lot of great information that build up to where this part starts that I want to read to you. But this, in my opinion, is the part that starts the most recent up until, not up until now, but the most recent regime change that essentially set the table for where we are now. Now it says the Bush administration embraced a violent uprising against Aristide, who was the leader of the country, beginning in late 2003. Or even after it reportedly forced him to sign a resignation later, excuse me, letter, later, letter at on at 2 a.m. on Sunday, February 29th, forcing him. According to the ex-president, he was kidnapped at gunpoint, flown without his knowledge to Central African, uh, Central African Republic, 
His inability to maintain order in an atmosphere of U.S.-backed destabilization had provided an excellent pretext for another exercise in regime change. Right? We're talking about U.S.-backed regime change here. So let's not pretend like they're not the kind of people that would kidnap a president at gunpoint and force him to sign a resignation, or at least hire or fund the people that will be willing to. Just like we see in Ukraine, like we see in Syria, like we see everywhere else, this is what they do. Project Aerodynamic. Moderate rebels. It doesn't matter where you want to look. Mahujadeen. In early February, a rebel paramilitary army crossed the border from the Dominican Republic. This trained and well-equipped unit, including former members of the Front for the Advancement of Progress in Haiti, as always, the Patriot Act, right? The Advancement for Progress in Haiti, even though they're an extremist group wanting regime change. A disarming name, they say, for plainclothes death squads involved in mass killing and political assassinations during the 1991 military coup that overthrew RSD's first administration. Now, what's frustrating about this is how the, the Front for the Advancement of Progress in Haiti... I guarantee you I know who picked that title for death squads with mass killings and political assassinations, right? The self-proclaimed National Liberation and Reconstruction Front, another ridiculous name, was also active, led by Guy Felipe, a former police chief and member of the Haitian Armed Forces. Felipe had been trained during the coup years by the U.S. during the coup years by U.S. special forces in Ecuador. I mean, there's source material. Please check it out for yourself, together with a dozen other Haitian army officers. So just like with Ukraine, you can clearly show U.S. forces training the people that carried out the mass executions, attacks, and, and assassinations. Two other rebel commanders were Emmanuel Toto, Constant, and, and Jodel Complain, uh, former members of the uh, Duvier era enforcer squad, maybe. I'm, the pronouncement pronunciation is probably off. The Tonton uh, Muku and leaders of the FRAPH, which the group we pointed out before. These are people trained by the U.S. government. Both armed rebels and civilian backers like G-184 leader Andre Apad, or Apade, were involved in the plot. Apade was, a, was in touch while this was happening with U.S. Secretary of State Colin Powell in the weeks leading up to Aristide's overthrow. Both Felipe and Constant had ties to the CIA. And both were in touch with U.S. officials. I mean, you, th this is the kind of absurdity that is rife throughout history. And yet we're questioning what's happening in Ukraine right now. We're questioning that the Haitian regime change that they're pushing for is about freedom. On February 20, U.S. Ambassador James Foley called in a team of four military experts from the U.S. Central Southern Command based in Miami, according to the Seattle Times. Officially, their mandate was to assess threats to the embassy and its personnel. Meanwhile, as a precautionary measure, three U.S. naval vessels were placed on standby to go to Haiti. One was equipped with a vertical takeoff Harrier fighters with attack helicopters. At least 2,000 Marines were also ready for deployment. After Aristide's kidnapping, however, Washington made no effort to disarm its proxy military army, of course. In covering the crisis, Corporate media ignored both history and the role played by the CIA. Classic role by the media. Instead, so-called rebel leaders, commanders of death squads in the 1990s, were recognized as legitimate opposition spokesmen. Here we are. The Bush administration effectively scapegoated Aristide, holding him solely responsible for a worsening economic and social situation. Same thing they always do. In truth, it ends, Haiti's economic and social crisis was largely caused by the devastating economic reforms imposed by the IMF. 
totally by accident, of course, Aristide's return to power was conditioned on his acceptance of its economic therapy. He complied, but was blacklisted and demonized anyway. So they wanted him out anyway, regardless of him. See, this is the point. This is what happens when you deal with the devil. You still get screwed over anyway. That's the reality. The problem, though, is that this is an old story. And it's obvious and it's provable. And yet we can't see through it today. Like when they're talking about the economic reforms opposed by the IMF, you can make the same argument on a worldwide scale about what the whole Great Reset 2030 agenda is doing to countries all around the world. And now they're going to use that destabilization to argue, see, that's why we need to step in. And that's what's happening here. Now, who knows if it's going to happen in Western countries, but it's sure as hell happening. And it's insulting that we could pretend that they're pretending that this is about anything other than control of these countries. Now, in Ukraine, again, same story. And, I mean, the corporate media, I, I mean, again, this is the whole point about how I don't see how anybody believes what they're talking about anymore. Unless they're invested in the narrative of one side or the other, too stupid to see it, or willfully ignorant for any number of reasons. Because what we have in front of us in this clip and everything else is, it's undeniable. And the reality is that they're acting like we don't see it, and it's all there. You, I mean, it's, it's about due diligence and the willful... The, the willingness to look into alternative sources, to ask questions. The problem is, is they just take the narrative and they report it because that's what their job actually is today. They're not journalists. They're, they're stenographers. And I've been saying this for a long time. Well, here is just the starting point in regard to the, the Crimean bridge. Ukrainian foreign minister was tricked into admitting Ukraine was behind the bridge explosion. Quote, if you were to ask me who blows up things in Crimea or Belgrade, then speaking privately, as much privacy as we can have on Zoom call, I tell you, yes, that was us. <laughs> Busted, right? These people either don't care how obvious this is or don't think it's going to get out. I really don't even know. But here, here is an admission. And by the way, I don't even think we need this admission, to be quite honest, from a Ukrainian official who is telling you, Oh, that's right. Uh, I don't. It's it's in. There's a uh, subtitles. He says Europeans have sanctioned fatigue. They need to be forced. There's no questioning this, by the way. This is the Ukrainian foreign minister. That's who you're looking at right now. Openly saying that we blew up the bridge to force them to continue to sanction. It is increasingly difficult for them to provide support for sanctions from Hungary. That was the main point. I think there's one more point here I was going to share. Right. It's of the major sanctions, we can only talk about gas, and I want to turn off Russian several Russian banks. To just recognize how you got Ukrainian government influencing global policy. Regardless, that's a huge deal. And if anybody was actually trying to be honest from the corporate media, this would be this would be breaking news across every platform. But they don't care. Because it wasn't ever really about proving this. And somewhere within them, they knew what actually happened. Because it was all, all everybody involved was gloating about it the moment it happened. Yeah, you don't have a stamp commemorating the explosion within hours of it happening unless you knew it was going to happen. I mean, that's childishly obvious. Well, here is the kind of stuff they're lying about. This is everywhere. Fiorella, Fiorella Isabel's show, 
pointing this absurdity out. Thank you for sharing this. UN Special Representative Pramila Patton says Russian troops were given Viagra and are using rape as military strategy. Her office was created via Security Council resolution introduced by Hillary Clinton. Washington used this tactic against Libyan troops during NATO's intervention in 2011. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. Here she is, 15th of October, yesterday. Russia's giving soldiers Viagra to rape Ukrainians. Now, you can there this is a statement. This is Ukraine says. That's what this is. There is zero evidence to this effect. But yet they're going to scream it out. Every corporate press me outlet is going to share that. Just like they did during Libya's time, which, by the way, you should remember, was an utter fake. Here it is in The Guardian. Gaddafi supplies troops with Viagra to encourage mass rape, claims diplomat. Same garbage happening then. This is insulting to your intelligence. But the important part to remember is that this already happened. I promise you that this was meant to be an earlier part of this. Ukrainian official admits she lied about Russians committing mass rape to convince countries to send more weapons. They got caught. The government admitted it. She admitted it. And here we are. Months later, I guess, continuing to lie. I told you they didn't drop this. And now they're giving Viagra. Now, the question I was talking about with somebody before this is, why would they even need to include the Viagra point? Why do you need Viagra to rape somebody? I argued the point was back then with this was because the media wasn't as dumb and childish as they are today. They were still ridiculous and lying and, and obfuscating and, and shouting down true information. But that, I, there's been a weird shift, I think, since 2016 where it wasn't as easy for them to be like, here's what these people think. Here's what Putin feels, right? Here's what Putin wants, because that's stupid. I mean, it really is unjournal. It's, it's a, a counter to journalistic everything to argue you somehow know something you could not possibly know. You can argue it's my opinion, he feels this way, but they don't do that. So my point was back then, how would you argue that these troops, how would you argue unless you had a document writing down, which they didn't, that they wanted to rape people or they ordered them to? You have to give something. Oh, so if you claim they're giving Viagra, well, that paints a picture, doesn't it? That insign- that signifies intent. So you can say, well, the Viagra implies that they're going to, okay. We see the problem today is <laughs> that they don't need stuff like that. They just simply go, Putin likes rape because he says, or because we think that. It's childishly bad. But so now they're coming out and doing the same thing. So the question is, again, what, where does the Viagra even come from? Well, guess who sells Viagra, by the way? Pfizer. But it's interesting to see that this is being pushed yet again. Here is The Guardian from 2011. Libya mass rape claims using Viagra would be a horrific first. Reports of this distribution of Viagra-type pills to troops add an unprecedented element to Gaddafi's alleged war crimes. This whole thing is ridiculous. Here, by the way, just in case you're confused about it, is, is one of many articles that have been written in 2011 about the fact that that was a lie. The top 10 myths in the war against Libya. There's many of them, by the way, just like there are right now about Ukraine. But see, these articles don't get written until after it's over and they already got what they wanted out of them, as usual. And then they point to this and say, see, we're honest, even though we lied and shouted you down while it was happening and then wrote it afterward. You know, transmission lie. Come on, guys. Catch up with the the flow of information. Viagra-fueled mass rape. The reported crimes and human rights violations of Gaddafi regime are awful enough as they are are that one has to wonder why anyone would need to invent stories. Well, maybe that's because they're not what you heard. Maybe that's because they aren't real. If you have to invent lies, doesn't that suggest that there aren't enough truths to make their statement accurate? 
I mean, this is the whole point about the, the human rights violations. This is the point even it says right here, the alleged war crimes. All of these things come back to allegations. Now, I'm not going to suggest that any government leader is not capable of stuff like this. But the reality is that it's not what they painted at. And so why would you trust any of the stories? Had the highest quality of life, free education, free health care. These are all easily proven facts about what was happening in Libya before they destroyed it. And now it's a failed state. Even though they sold you as regime change for freedom, liberation into slavery, apparently. The problem, though, is that all the things they pushed were proven to be inaccurate. Such as Gaddafi's troops with erections powered by Viagra going on raping sprees. Perhaps it was peddled because it's the kind of story that, quote, captures the imagination of traumatized publics. Exactly. Especially in an age of virtue signalers. Oh, no, I was raped. So I care about this story. Right. You see how this gets played. But regardless, it's a it's a shocking story. It makes you go, what? I want to find out about that. This story was taken so seriously that some people started writing to Pfizer to get them to stop selling Viagra to Libya, even though that wasn't even remotely what was happening, because they even say Viagra-like pills, since its product was allegedly being used as a weapon of war. But again, that's not even the actual story. People who otherwise should know better set out to deliberately misinform international public. The Viagra story was first disseminated by Al Jazeera. It was then redistributed by almost all major Western media. And here we are again. It's amazing that they can't learn from their mistakes. That's because they weren't mistakes, guys. They meant to do this. They meant to misinform you or they didn't know any better. Regardless, here we are again, doing the same thing based on the same statements that we can't confirm. So the question is, even if you don't believe they're doing it on purpose, why does anybody trust these people anymore? I argue they don't. I argue at a point where we're starting to realize that we don't, and that's changing everything. Here's an argue, a, a, a tweet from Syracide. One of the abiding moments for me um, on the garbage media coverage of Ukraine war, a Sky reporter standing by the Tocha U missile in Kramastork, blaming Russia while standing feet away from the serial number on the shell, proving that it was Ukraine ordinance. Now, but don't forget, by the way, this was proven, not just by the fact that you could prove the information on it, but the fact that this was proven using the uh, azimuth triangulation, I believe that's the correct term, for where it came from based on the trajectory, based on the explosion. And it was proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that this couldn't have come from anywhere other than Ukrainian territory. And you know, right when that happened, they suddenly stopped talking about the story, which shows you that they know they're lying to you. But it doesn't matter. Also, don't forget how these Tochka U Soviet era missiles were sent to Ukraine from the United States. And even though we can prove that Russia is not even using these at the time, regardless, none of that matters because Russia bad guy. This is the kind of flimsy arguments we keep seeing or Bucha or any of these locations which you can prove they lied. It's funny that I, I say that there was a clip that I wanted to play again that I haven't played in a long time. This was the Butcher situation that is now looking back. Think about how stupidly obvious this was. Невероятно храбрые, самые лучшие войны этого мира в военнослужащей украинской армии. Что мы откроем, когда будет деоккупирован Мелитополь, Бердянск, Херсон? Невероятно храбрые, самые лучшие войны этого мира в военнослужащей украинской армии. Что мы откроем, когда будет деоккупирован so what you're looking at, in case you forgot, was Ukrainian soldiers dragging bodies via cable into the exact positions 
that they were in when the satellite pictures were allegedly taken, even though we proved that Maxar Technologies didn't have the satellite in position in, to be able to take the pictures the time they said they did. The time was important because they claimed it was at a time when Russians were in control. So that explained for me how, why they lied about the satellite imagery, why they needed to pull them into position that it was exactly where they were when they claimed Russians killed them. I mean, think about how insulting that is. Again, this is the reality, and they were caught on video. The picture you can see in the top left is the picture of the image placed, uh, shown by Washington Post, I believe, of the was supposedly Russian-controlled area and how the bodies were left after they took it back, or took it. But these are Ukrainians moving those bodies into position, and all they did was argue they were demining them after the fact. But it's, I mean, any military personnel will tell you how stupid it is to pretend they're demining them from 10 feet away. Невероятно храбрые, самые лучшие войны этого мира в военнослужащей украинской армии. Что мы откроем, когда будет деоккупирован Мелитополь, Бердянск, Херсон? You can see the same cars, the same position, everything. I mean, it, it's just insulting to your intelligence. So this is the kind of manipulation that shows you it's not a question. That there's not, this isn't just ignorance. They're willfully lying to you and covering up horrible, horrific war crimes. Which, by the way, makes them war criminals themselves. The media. That's what I'm talking about when you talk about criminal action. Here's another part. We I mean, it's interesting how we tend to be ahead of some of these stories, even by accident. Here's what we were just talking about. This is October 13th. Russia's kamikaze drones are the, lead the latest threat for Ukraine. Here's what we know about them, which is basically nothing. It's Ukraine says. <laughs> That's all this. Every single thing they do is Ukraine told us this is what's happening. So why do you trust them if they've gotten caught lying about everything they've told you so far? Because they don't care about the lies. They care about the narrative. Either way, the point is, oh, and this is, two, this is two days later, Kremlin rains kamikaze drones on Kiev, raising concerns of a nuclear catastrophe. It's a weird title. You know why? Because they're saying Zaporozhia was under attack. But their title says rains kamikaze drones on Kiev. Now, I think their argument is they're trying to say rains them on Ukraine. You know, people tend to use them like, you know, attacks on Tehran and I mean, just the Iranian government. Either way, it's confusing, isn't it? I think it's meant to be confusing because they want you to think that the, the, the Putin is attacking the central area of Kiev. I don't think that's actually happening. But regardless, this is the Zaporozh area, which is very not Kiev, at least in far, as far as the town. So it's an odd framing. Regardless, though, they're using kamikaze drones to attack, right? Well, where did we just hear about these kamikaze drones? Didn't we just talk about this? Like right before this? We did. <laughs> U.S. sends kamikaze drones to Ukraine. This was March of 2022. What a weird timing, isn't it? Small enough to fit in a backpack, but can strike targets with high precision. We talked about it at the time. You know why? Because it's concerning. Because that means anybody anywhere at any point with a backpack can bring a drone into some area and attack from a location with a bomb and you would never know. That's why this is meant to be used. Now, why? You, I mean, look, you could argue I, there's no... There's many uh, unknown reasons, plenty of them, why Russia might use these kind of drones. I'm not saying they're don't, not capable or haven't. But shouldn't we ask the question, if we know for a fact that the U.S. government has been caught sending them, as the Wall Street Journal called them on, Soviet-era weaponry? There's no reason you would do that unless you want to pretend that it was Russian use when they take something out. And the point was they claimed it was for practice. Practice what? 
You're going to let them practice on things that Russia's not using? I mean, it was an obvious lie. They got caught setting up false flags. Don't forget, they're the ones that set that tone in the beginning. Then we saw that actually come to pass with the Tokyo missiles and everything else. And with same point here. We need to ask if they've already done this, and we see the U.S. on the record sending them the very thing they're now saying Kremlin's using against them, shouldn't we ask whether there's something more going on here? No, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'll be, I'm honest enough to tell you that we don't know for sure, right? It's just as likely that Russia could be using them knowing this happened. That's fair. But that's not what's happening. You get the reports from the media. Kremlin did. Kremlin did this. Russia's attacking with these because Ukraine said. That's the childish, broken nature of what these people pretend they at least even used to be. I don't even know if they were ever honest, but this is where they are. They get caught lying over and over and over and then still take them at their word, even though we know that U.S. gave them some of those drones. At the very least, you should add that in there. It's possible, seeing as how Ukraine has them. But see, they're not interested in objective journalism. Not CNN, not Fox News, not any of them. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so then we should then we should ask whether... I mean, at the very least, guys, I can't confirm that this is exactly from this time and at this place, but realize just in the concept of wag the dog scenarios, because we do know this has already been seen in Ukraine and elsewhere in Syria, that when you see things like this, that we need to realize that this is an active part from all sides of the war during this time. The wor- where the world is at today, technologically, deep fakes, everything that Russia, the US, Ukraine, all of them, I promise you, are using things like this right now in some way. Even if you want to argue that they're doing it for good reasons or blah, 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 whatever. Because everyone's got their opinion. This is what you're seeing, exactly what it looks like. A fake setup filming what looks like people running from bombings in an area that looks exactly like Ukraine. Now, what I was going to do that I didn't have time to, if one of you guys has the abil- the timing and the ability to do so, is to go back and see if you can match up some of these people with imagery we've seen, right? Like we saw the the image of the old woman with the head wrapped on the magazine, you know, on the front of the UK publication that says, you know, Russia bombed the area. And then you can see her with her phone taking pictures of herself and saying, I'll send this to my mom in Russia. Now, that could mean that it's fake or it could mean that she just wanted the picture to be sent to her mom because it's crazy. I mean, that's certainly possible. I don't, I don't think that. I think it's pretty clear that it was a, a fake situation. That's my opinion. But I'm honest enough to tell you that that's even as obvious as it looks, it could be something else. This is, is another one of those situations. So what, look at the people running and, you know, the clothes they're wearing and, you know, see if you can find something that overlaps with things being put out by Ukraine. I mean, they literally just got caught using the bombing of Libya to claim that's what Russia did in Ukraine. And yet we're pretending like we can't question their video. It's just, it's just willfully stupid and childish. But here is what the people in Ukraine are saying about the people they claim, the media claims that they want to liberate, right? We're trying to rescue the Donbass people from the evil Russians, right? Or we're trying to rescue the Crimeans from the occupation of Russia. So why then are they attacking those people? Why then are they shooting them down like pigs if they were occupied against their will? It's so easy to prove how dishonest this whole thing is. This says, I will not call people in Donbass Ukrainians. We don't need them. When Ukrainian tanks enter Donetsk, they will be destroyed. It's in Ukrainian. I'm just showing you that the guy's speaking on the record. Now, what's interesting is that overlaps with what this Ukrainian journalist said early on in, this, in, the, in the war. 
which again, all these things were dismissed and poo-pooed by some argument that it's either, no, that's old or it's fake or that's not what the translation actually says. All those are false because this is what it says. And this guy literally argues, you know, of course, even the overlap with like the Nazi conversation that these people should be ex- should be exterminated. That's what he says about the people in Donbass. And yet we want to pretend like they want to rescue and save those people. They don't want to be saved. They are running in the direction of Russia. One, because they're predominantly Russian speaking. And two, because they've been bombed and murdered for eight years straight. От ви спитали, як так може бути? Так може бути тому, що Донбас взагалі регіон, який, ну, це не просто депресивний регіон, розумієте? Там настільки великий комплекс таких грона проблем, і головніше, наприклад, тому, що там просто дика кількість абсолютно непотрібних людей. Повірте, я абсолютно свідомо про це говорю. От якщо брати навіть чисто Донецьку область, там приблизно 4 мільйони населення. Що не менше мільйона півтора, там просто зайвих людей. Хочу сказати, нам не треба розуміти Донбас, нам треба розуміти взагалі український національний інтерес. А Донбас треба просто використати як ресурс, який треба відповідно з приводу розуміння Донбасу. Мені здається, що ну, в мене немає зрозуміння жодного рецепту, що тут можна зробити швидко, але ем, найголовніше, що треба зробити е, в даний момент, е, як це там жорстоко не призвучить, є, певне, є певна категорія людей, яких треба просто вбити. Sorry about that. I always forget that I've got those on. I don't, I don't actually don't do that anymore for that exact reason, but some of the older ones still have the, the intro ending clip on them. <clears throat> but yeah, somebody's mentioning the, the uh, Eva Bartlett tweet and Elon Musk. We're going to get to that next. That's going to be the part about Elon and the kill list. But just showing, just kind of setting the table for what these people really are. <clears throat> and this, I mean, th- so we're coming from, so this guy literally says, we don't care about these people. We don't want them. We don't need them. That's exactly what that journalist said. They're superfluous. We don't need them. We need to exterminate most of them. And yet the media of the corporate, the corporate media wants you to believe that they want to rescue all of them. That's what all this is about. So it's important to fund literal extremist fascists because, I mean, it just doesn't even add up. You can't even make an argument. They they, they just want you to buy what they're saying. Now, here's an interesting overlap. Here's the EU foreign policy chief, Joseph Borrell, who is saying something, Wyatt Reed looks like he posted this, who's saying something that really gives you the insight into the way that they perceive the world. The idea that they're somehow better than everybody else. And this isn't hard to grasp. Everybody knows this is, comes from the, uh, like the, the Western mentality about how we're, got, you know, the, the trailblazing light for everyone else that lives in different ways. Even though there's plenty of people around the world that actively run from the society that we have. That don't want the kind of technological advancement. Yet we don't care. Because it's really not about trying to help them. It's about using the argument to help them to drive them into subjugation. That's what, and, and reap their resources. That's what happens in all of Africa and all these different places. South America, they've been colonialized and raped and pillaged for decades, centuries. So when you hear them say something like this, it gives you an insight into the way they perceive the world. And then ask yourself why they would fund the people in Ukraine. And it's for reasonings just like this. And it's, it's very disconcerting. It's a eugenics mindset. It's It's a... Colonial mindset, mindset, absolutely. Where was it here? Ah, dang it! I'm forgetting what it's what I titled it. It was. Let's see. Or did I have it on here? Let me see. Oh, that's why. See, I knew I was gonna. I did, every time I <laughs> laughing at myself. Then I think I'll remember. I'll remember. I'm not gonna clip this one because this is why. And then I forget. Anyway, it has the subtitles beneath it so i figured i wasn't going to clip it and then i ruined it by talking about it this whole time okay so let's watch so it says europe is a garden and the rest of the world is a jungle just a statement i mean think about that and the jungle could invade the garden and the gardeners should take care of it 
very ominous verbiage. The jungle has a strong growth capacity, he says. So the gardeners have to do have to go to the jungle. So, I mean, he's literally with a really almost gross analogy arguing the rest of the world is just un you know, un what's the right word for it? Just chaotic. And that we need to take care of our garden. But yet, because we want to grow, the garden has to take over the jungle. I mean, it's just he's literally justifying colonialism. And, and we're supposed to pretend like that's not the obvious reality of who the people are. It's a garden. We have built a garden. The, the rest of the world, and you know very well, Federica, is not exactly a garden. The rest of the world, most of the rest of the world, is a jungle. And the jungle could invade the garden. And the gardeners should take care of it. The jungle has a strong growth capacity and the world will never be high enough in order to protect the garden well that's pretty crazy right so they have to go to the jungle right so we need to invade those countries because if we don't they're going to do something to us well that's the old school mindset i don't even know if they truly believe that regardless they're just they're using it to justify their action and look at haiti right now now back to ukraine in general these are the kind of people that they're funding and supporting, apparently, for that stated end. Nina Byzantina points out, the butcher of Poles, which is something you can look up, by the way, it's, that's the, the title, during World War II, with the col- uh, collaborationist Ukrainian Liberation Army, Miroslav Shmich, Simchich, I, I'm gonna, that's a hard one to pronounce, Simchich, maybe? My, uh, Miroslav Simchich, was awarded hero of Ukraine by Zelensky through the presidential decree yesterday. Right. So a guy who was guilty of butchering Polish people in World War II was just awarded the hero of Ukraine award by Zelensky. This, I mean, you can't even, you can't even this is, you, people wouldn't believe you if you went to Twitter and said this without the proof. This guy is, is, a, is a fascist Nazi war criminal. 98th birthday celebrates this person, mass murder of Polish population in Western Ukraine. In 1944, UPA unit head Simcha, whatever, if I'm probably mispronouncing it, ordered destruction of Polish village Pistin. In, in uh, Troist village, his unit killed 80 Poles and houses burned. I mean, my God. I mean, I, I, I think I said he was a war colonel. Regardless, I'm just, I, 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 that was, I shouldn't say, that was my Michael LeBed point coming out in that, but the regardless point is that these are the kind of people that they're pointing at, supporting, cheering on, building statues to Bandera. These are the kind of people that they're acting like aren't open fascists, while what they're literally doing is honoring those kind of people. How do you even rationalize something like this? I wonder why people like Zelensky don't care that it's so obvious. Maybe there's a reason they want it like that. We should be asking these questions. So this brings us to the point about what they're doing in Ukraine, even for people that were once helping them. Hassan Mafi points out, so apparently Elon Musk has made it to the Ukrainian hit list for at least 15 minutes. Now, I don't know if that means that they suddenly removed it, but regardless, Americans are giving them their tax money, and this is how they thank them. They put them on their kill list. Many other Americans are on this list, including Tucker Carlson, Professor John uh, Mearsheimer, well, here's the interesting point before we get into Eva Bartlett's point about this and Elon Musk actually chiming in. This person says, not true. I guess the, the list is called a, a, the Mirovirits website. Miro, Mir, Miratvirits. I'm not sure what these words are. But the point is, that's what they're calling it. And I, they're arguing it's not the Ukrainian government behind it. Even if it's not, by the way, that's not the, the argument to me and it's not usable. But I'm going to point out why all that's incorrect. Even using the link that they post. I love these ridiculous fact checkers. 
the people that post the fact check links that read the headline and post it like they got you and you read the article and it literally confirms what you already thought. It says the screenshot appears to be fake. Text is in Russian. Okay, none of that means anything in the context of what you'll see what I mean when you read what the Newsweek fact check said about it. Regardless of where it is or what it says, it is very clearly tied to the Ukrainian government. Remember when people claimed Ukraine put Pink Floyd's Roger Waters on the kill list? Well, he says, see this fact check. Well, guess what? That fact check proves Roger Waters was on this list. This guy probably didn't even read this link because all he did was see the headline that says, did they put him on the link? Or put him on the list and he read the ball misleading. Oh, so it's all fake then. <laughs> well, guess what? The article proves that that's not true. Here's what it says. Waters claims claim isn't true, the article says, or rather the, the writer points out, but it isn't completely false either. Okay, well, right out of the gate, though, that's not exactly what this guy was screaming about. But he says there is a list maintained by a far right Ukrainian organization that contains hundreds of thousands of enemies of Ukraine, from alleged members of the Wagner private military company to journalists accused of cooperating with puppet governments in the Donbass region. Okay, okay. So even if that alone was the point, we're talking about a far right organization, which, by the way, could be the Azov movement, Soboda, right sector, any one of these groups that they argue like aren't necessarily exactly the government. But we know that's not the case. We know that this is an organization that is completely overtaken. And so if you have a list that is doing that. Isn't that the point? Isn't that just as concerning? Seeing as how the, I'm going to prove to you, even by their article, but we don't even need the article to prove it, the people involved with the list and the groups are people that are directly or tangentially tied directly to the government. Okay, so it says, quote, the site, which has been roundly internationally condemned, which means literally nothing, but not taken down by the Ukrainian government, which is interesting, because that's the kind of point they make about Russia. Well, well, white supremacy groups exist, therefore they allow it. Well, that's not even true, since you could point out that they raid them and try to attack them, but it's, it's a fair point. It could mean that. But if you're going to make that point, then you can't pretend Then you have to at least make the same point here, which they don't, that if they don't take it down, that means that they allow it. It's funny how hypocritical these people are. Claims not to be a kill list. Says first, it exists. They're acknowledging it exists. But rather, it's only information for law enforcement authorities and special services. Great. So the law enforcement and special services have been the ones openly shooting people down like pigs. Oh, that's right. So the SBU is a very group that said we're going to murder these people. We should keep killing bloggers like that guy that just got killed in his car that we killed. Okay, so again, whether or not it is for those people to do what they want, this is still the same point. They're the ones murdering people and, and owning it, admitting it, cheering about it in their discussions. Just because you don't want to talk about it doesn't make it not true. As various media reports on Mirat Verits, it's an odd word, note, the reports on this website note it is an NGO. Oh, okay. Non-governmental organization. You mean like the National Endowment for Democracy? That's totally not a non-governmental organization. That's 100% overlap with the CIA and the U.S. government. Got it. Okay, so this totally non-governmental organization that keeps an open source database of persons that it deems to have promoted anti-Ukrainian narratives or acted to destabilize Ukraine's national security. So it does exist. It does catalog people they that they argue are anti-Ukrainian, and it does give that information to the Ukrainian SBU that does use it to assassinate people. Okay, so what are we talking about here? Since the start of the war, it also keeps count of the Russian soldiers and agents killed on its territory. Okay, so on top of all of that, it also tallies the people that later get killed because of that. Okay, maybe not because of it, 
but as you'll list in a moment, because people were on that list that later died or just soldiers that get killed. So you're tallying the people that get killed that are enemies of Ukraine while you're keeping a list of enemies of Ukraine. Well, that's pretty transparent. It was founded by a Ukrainian politician, an activist. It was also it has also been closely linked to politician Anton Gurashenko, whom the Times of London in a recent interview referred to as a co-founder of the project. Okay, so now we have a provable connection to the government who is co-founding the very project that you're claiming is a non-governmental organization. And this is the fact check that he's pointing out to say you guys are wrong because it's not a Ukrainian government. Okay, this guy probably didn't even read the article. It says, notably, official Kiev keeps its own separate list of people it labels Russian propagandists. So there's another list that the government does keep on top of that, which, by the way, includes people like Tulsi Gabbard, Rand Paul. So there is a list that's also the government's list that does the same thing. Even I mean, so not only does it prove there's a list that we're talking about that is clearly being used for the same purpose, they include a secondary list that the specific Kiev government has for the same purpose. Why have a list with people like Tulsi Gabbard on it? I mean, Right there. Why have a list that has people in other countries unless there's some kind of an agenda to it? I mean, you, you don't need to ask these questions. This is painfully obvious what this is. Now, the list has no official standing in Ukraine, they say, though Al Jazeera, citing the rights group Uspishna Varta, reported that it had been used as evidence in more than 100 court cases against the people in pro-Russian paramilitaries. So everything else we said, everything else we're talking about, including the secondary list, including the fact that it was contact tied to the government, that it was used to take to catalog people that were killed. On top of all of that, it has been used to take action against people that are on the list. I mean, how do you you every piece is in there? They just act like it's not exactly what we're saying. Therefore, you're all lying. This is a list. It's categorizing cataloging people that are doing things they don't like. The people are dying on that list. They're using them to, uh, to take action against these people. I don't know what else you need here. In April 2015, again, what you need is the, is the realization of the evidence on the ground that shows you they're absolutely taking action because of this, which is what we're seeing everywhere that the media won't cover. April 2015, which, by the way, I'll show you next, based on the, the journalists on the ground that are actually journalists and actually covering what's going on on the ground. April 2015, two pro-Russian Ukrainians. Politician Oleg Kalishnikov and politicist Oles Buzina were shot dead in Kiev. Al Jazeera reported that the attacks took place just days after that list published their name and personal details, including addresses about the two men. But no direct link has been found in court, of course, because, you know, Ukraine investigated themselves and they found themselves not guilty. Of course, right. You see how ridiculous this is? Right, so... They put them on the list with their personal addresses and information, and two days later, they were killed. Then they were added back to the list because they were killed in the same way. That's easily proven. So what are we quibbling about? Furthermore, there are report, reportedly as many as 200,000 people on, an, on the list now, including European political leaders, Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Obron. That also includes some of the Russian-installed officials in occupied territories accused of Kiev of being collaborators. Exactly what we were just talking about and some of whom have been targets of reported attacks and assassinations. Right, Every which way you look, the people on the list are being assassinated. The people on the list are a grouping that are used to target for every possible form of action. 
So it is a list that people are being used to be, target people that are being killed. I mean, this is simple reality and yet misleading. Why? Why exactly? How do you eat? I and mean, what you just did was prove what we're talking about, if you want my honest opinion. But all they do is read this and look at the bottom. Fact check. But here's what Hassan Mafi points out. Can you imagine the outrage of Western countries if Russia, Iran, or China had a kill list website with a bunch of journalists on it, which they probably do, but it's not publicized. At least not that we can see in front of us, at least not that I can see, not at the moment. They would scream freedom and democracy and demand an invasion. But now they're completely silent about Ukraine's hit list website. Hypocrites. <laughs> Fake. Really? I'm really like, it's just so embarrassing how people act. But here's the interesting part about this. Elon Musk, I actually wasn't able to find the tweet. I forgot about it until last second and I didn't want to try to find it. But Elon Musk responded in a tweet thread where somebody was, I think it was even one of Eva Bartlett's tweets where he was pointing out that what, basically Elon Musk was put on the list after he was threatened or, I mean, put on the list after he pulled the support from the Starlink. He responded by saying, well, I would, oh, they, the point was he pulled the funding for the Starlink or the support from the Starlink after, I think it was the foreign minister, told him to F off. Which, think about how dumb you got to be to tell the person you need so desperately to F off because, you know, that that's the, these are childish people with lots of money, guns, and support from foreign terrorists. That's what they are. That's dangerous. You're talking about child-level people with extreme ideology that you're dumping money and arms into. What do you think is going to happen? But the point is they bite the hand that feeds them. And so Elon Musk simply goes, I just took his advice. Sounds like him, doesn't it? Just to be like, well, fine. I'll F off. Okay, fine. Then I'm going to pull all this. But the Pentagon responds after he uh, must threat, threat to cut off Starlink to Ukraine because this is paramount to the, what they're doing right now. So very telling that the Pentagon steps in. The United States Pentagon responded to his announcement that he cannot continue to fund it. The Defense Department informed reporters on Friday that the United States is assessing our options to keep the Internet working for Ukraine's military. You see how, un, in, I mean, wholeheartedly, I mean, that's not the right word, in, entirely from the top to bottom, how the Ukraine government is completely dependent on outside everything to maintain what's happening right now. This is not Ukraine fighting Russia. This is the West fighting Russia using Ukraine's proxy. This is the same thing you see everywhere, guys. This is how this works. They, I mean, look at Saudi Arabia with Yemen. It's the same point. They can't even tie their shoes without U.S. guidance. And they've proven that when they try to take action and it blows up in their face, literally. This is ridiculous. But the point is, they're going to assess their options, meaning they're going to continue to find ways to support this from your pocket. And you mentioned this a little bit, but you could get into wider implications if Starlink's proven integral to the Ukrainians in the stage. What happens if you no longer have that capability? Well, we certainly recognize the advantages that any SATCOM capability has and allows Ukraine just their garbage response. But throughout, it says, but again, we're assessing our options. Same garbage. It's a big, the point is they don't have another option for this. This would destroy their efforts, at least in the, in the interim. But, oh, by the way, it's weird timing. It's basically the same day, Elon Musk is being investigated by U.S. federal authorities for his conduct in connection with the acquisition of Twitter. You think this might be an effort to kind of force him to continue his support for Ukraine? Just a thought. But either way, my point on this was the the absurdity of this Twitter discussion continues forever, apparently. Is he going to buy it? Is he not going to buy it? Is he going to be investigated? Is this going to make it a pullout? It's, I mean, it's basically a distraction as far as I'm concerned. But here's David Bartlett pointing out, he, Elon Musk was added to Ukraine's kill list, which includes 327 children. Right. So going back to their point about, oh, it's just a list about people that are pro this or anti that. Okay, so why do you have children on that list? Well, because they're children of people that they want to kill. 
I mean, this is not even hidden, guys. This is very clear. You can read it for yourself. But it says, I've been speaking and writing about this for years after being placed on it in 2019. But now that Musk is on it, after Roger Waters and others, perhaps the peacemaker list might itself be killed. Elon Musk responds to this. Is that real? What's the URL? It's like, really, guy? I mean, it's every. I mean, if you're actually paying attention and not just only looking at corporate media, this is everywhere. And even Ian Miles Chong chimes in and says, this list is real. No idea if you're on there, though. Can't find an archive of it. Are there any citizens of nations who are helping Ukraine on this list? And he goes, you seriously haven't heard of this list before? Anyone with enough exposure and who states anything that annoys these guys gets a spot on it. And they, I'm, I'm sure there's many people on there in the independent media. And after they kill, they're killed, they add a watermark liquidated on their picture. This, I mean, this is, we've gone through all of this. Think about how ridiculous that is. And yet the people in the corporate media act like you're lying about it. Well, as he points out below this, on August 4th, Ukraine's bombing of Central Donetsk included right next to her hotel and many other journalists were in it. We already told you about this. Killing a woman outside. Now, these are people that are on this list. And they're in this hotel that is housing international journalists. And we already showed you that it got bombed. Where was the corporate media coverage of that? They just, they pretended like it didn't happen. Unreal. Now, here is the Donetsk City Administration Building that was just taken out by Ukrainian forces. This is today. Here is uh, uh, Wyatt showing you this. I'll play this clip for you. It's only 30 seconds. A devastating rocket attack this morning absolutely obliterated the building, took out multiple vehicles. Miraculously, no one was killed in this strike carried out by Kiev regime forces with the backing and the weapons of the United States government paid for by U.S. taxpayers. No one ever voted to go to war with Russia. No one ever voted to go to war with the people of Donetsk, the people of the Donbass. And yet here we are, eight years later, and it continues with impunity and with the backing of our government. While they're openly putting people on the kill list that moments ago were supporting them. I mean, this it's just irrational because these people are irrational, like the moderate rebels and everybody else that they push forward there. They take the craziest of the people. Like, really, when you think about the way they frame, like the, the threat of terrorism, the real question we should ask today is, does that concept even exist if they're not building it? I'm not saying there's not bad people out there, but the idea of this organized sent this organized grouping terrorism idea like you have to realize that historically you could paint these things back to the hand of these governments as far back as you want to look. Again, does that idea truly exist the way that they frame it without their building it? Here's another point from the same location, Donetsk today, 16th, courtesy of Himar, Himars, uh, which was, again, I believe that was, yeah, the, 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 the artillery rocket system, again, Lockheed Martin, right, that the U.S. government is sending to them, and then they're using that to bomb civilian areas inside Donetsk. Very clear. Can the hypocrites finally explain how this is justified? This is presumably the people of and the territory Ukraine wants to take back. I mean, again, that's the that's the point we keep making. You're telling me that they want to rescue these people, but they're bombing civilian areas that aren't on the front line. You don't need any common sense even to recognize that this doesn't add up. They've been bombing Donetsk for eight years. They don't want to get these people back. They want them dead. That's the reality. Paid for by U.S. tax dollars. 
People die every time this happens. Now, here's one point that I'm just going to include because I haven't got a chance to really flush this out. I, this is only seemingly coming from one podcast. I can't find any more information other than the Telegram's channel, the Telegram channels that are that are circulating. I'm sure this will flush out more. But just in case you guys want to dive on this now, apparently there's this. They're alleging that this is the first, or at least the first visible and acknowledgeable tactical nuke or tactical, uh, yeah, tactical nuke that was essentially attempted to be used. That's what that's the general story. Now I haven't been able to flush this out other than the pictures. And like this was the main one. You're basically saying it says basically Ukraine, UKR tech mash is what it says on it. Serial number 041, date of manufacture. And it says radioactive facts. Two lines are clear or unclear. But at the very bottom is the radioactive icon. And it's in it's in, uh, I believe, Ukrainian. But it says, I have no idea what it is, but it was made by this group. Ukar tech mash. It's marked with radioactivity has landed somewhere in the direction of Donetsk. Ukrainians are taking this this too far. Bottom line is this could be the first indication of a false flag effort or an effort to just use a tactical nuke, which will then be blamed on Russia. I don't know if that's happening or not. I, I've already talked about how I'm concerned that might happen, right? And how at the end of the day, they already said, if these are used, I think it was um, Petraeus said, if I mean, if it's used, we're going to attack Russia, just like they did in Syria. So why wouldn't Ukraine just do this to get them to take action that they want them to take? It's the same situation over and over and over. That's why I don't think people buy it anymore. But keep your eyes on this. See if there's anything else that popped up on this. I just searched for that name. Just it seems only a few of these posts so far. But yeah, I'm sure this will flesh out. I'll have to wait for more information. So question everything. Now, here is. Uh, I'm suddenly, I knew I was going to, I had, I forgot her name a second ago and then, I, oh yeah, Claire, Claire Daly. Thank you. Someone comment down there doing an out, always doing an outstanding job standing up in the face of so much pushback. As I said, this is what courage looks like. And by the way, when I shared that racism thing from before about the no white racism, I said, this is what racism looks like. That's why the same thing was in my mind, but here she is speaking on what's going on today. And it, it's just amazing. I, this is, people are so thirsty for this kind of truth. And it's not just because she says it and it's different than what they're saying. It's because you can prove everything that she's saying here. And it's just so sad that so many choose to ignore it while people are suffering. Good for her for taking a stand. War in Ukraine is quickly escalating into a wider horror. And from what I can see, practically nobody in this chamber is doing anything to prevent it. In fact, most people seem to get off on the fact that it's escalating. And at this precise moment, of course, as usual, the voices challenging the rush to war are attacked and silenced, smeared as traitors, cronies, Putin puppets, Kremlin stooges, Russian ages. Frankly, it's pathetic. And I don't make the comparison lightly, but the crudeness and cynicism of these slurs coming from mainstream EU parties might as well have been written by Hermann Goering, who infamously said that even though people never want war, they can be brought to war with threats and smears. He said, all you have to do, tell them they're being attacked, denounce the pacifists for lack of patriotism and exposing their country to danger. It works the same every way. Where he led, you are following. This House should be ashamed of this debate. Words are being twisted, meaning subverted, and the truth turned on its head. Opposing the horrible madness of war is not anti-European. It's not anti-Ukrainian. It's not pro-Russian. It's common sense. The working class of Europe have nothing to gain from this war and everything to lose. And I find it laughable that those calling for arms to Ukraine 
never called for arms for the people of Palestine or for the people of Yemen. Unlike you, I oppose all war. I want it stopped. I make no apology for that and I'm not going to be scapegoated and labelled for it either. Good for her. And you just can't ignore how obvious it is that one matters and the others don't. Right? How can you justify... I mean, you can't look at Yemen and Palestine and Syria and everywhere else and act like only one matters. It's just insulting. And yet here we are. U.S. is now sending more on top of the more, on top of the more, on top of the more, on top of the more that was already sent. $725 million more million just in military aid to Ukraine. But, you know, I mean, th- this I mean, this is just announcing what we already know because it's already set, as we just talked about. Congress funds Ukraine to 2029, or at least outlines the funding. And that's what this is. The discretionary spending, which, again, means that no accountability on how it gets used all the way until 2030. What an interesting time overlap. Three million dollars earmarked all the way in 2030. Two hundred thirty three million dollars earmarked for 2029. 2023 next year. million earmarked for next year. $1,344 million earmarked for 2024. I don't know why they always do that. It's easier to write down, I guess. It's in millions of dollars, but it's in thousands down here. I forget what that breaks down to, but a hell of a lot. Emergency designated, right? Again, welcome to your rule by emergency governance. My God. All of this done under guise of fighting for you, guys. And Hossein Mafi points out, this Ukrainian official says Ukraine is already a de facto member of NATO. Shocking. Of course, Ukraine is a de facto member of NATO, but NATO is also a de facto using Ukraine as cannon fodder in its proxy war against Russia. And that's exactly what this guy doesn't understand. Thankful to NATO for support. We have come a long way. Right. So the point is that huge red line that they act like was never going to happen is now, of course, that's happening. Why wouldn't you? What are you racist against Ukraine? Funny how quickly that changes, right? The thing that they swore up and down was a conspiracy theory is now you're crazy if you don't acknowledge why it's needed. Just like everything else we look at. Ridiculous. We need to keep paying attention to what's going on here, guys, because the more than almost anything happening right now, I have the most concern about what these crazy people on the ground might do, even if specifically that's not in line with the I mean, I was hard to even call it a measured response, but the Ukraine or the governments that are playing this, they do have a plan. Right. And there's clearly a a rapid escalation. But usually, like we saw with the moderate rebels or the Kurds, they take action on the ground designed to drive the hand of the people that are giving them things, even if that's not necessarily what the U.S. agenda was supposed to be. I am concerned that we're going to see the Ukrainian government take drastic action that will drive some kind of action from the outside forces. I'm very concerned about that because they are belligerent and they are extremist by the very definition of the word. But speaking of belligerent and extremist, (laughs) let's talk about the midterms coming up. Here is an interesting point that I want to make that I knew was going to come along because all of this has to do with the way they're going to politically manipulate you into the next phase of the illusion. But I wanted to include this. This is my post on Parlor from today. As we come into the next episode of the most important election of our lifetime, season 47, try to remember how many times we have been shown that our vote no longer matters by design. And that is And that is in no way implying that it shouldn't matter. Exactly the opposite, in fact. It's just simply that this has been stolen from you. And of course, I play the clip of Clint Curtis admitting that he was paid to hack or to set up machines with software that they could be used to flip votes. And then the very next election, they did nothing and used those same machines. 
You can't even make that up. I mean, that's how ridiculous this has gotten. Play the clip for yourself if you want to check it out. I've played it many, many times. But again, the most important election of our lifetime. Yeah, that's actually happening again for the midterms. I mean, this is this is embarrassing. Oh, here, let me do this. The 2022 midterms are the most important of my lifetime. Eugene Robinson genuinely just made that argument. I mean, maybe it actually is to them. Maybe it actually is. Who knows? But what's insulting and embarrassing is how they literally say this every single time. Every single time. Without fail, the next one will be the most important of your life. Every single time. Think about how stupid that is. Why would they keep saying it? If they know that you can't be the most important every single time. Here's another one. This really is the most important election of our lifetime. And Democrats need to explain why. Again, we're talking about the midterms here, not even the presidential election. This, they do it every time. I know we say this every time, but this one really is. Right, look at this. Because Trump and bad guy stuff, and you know, that's all it is. This one I just love because Joy Reid, you know, horse paced Joy Reid. The 2022 midterms may actually be the most election, most important elections of our lifetime. Wow. Explain more. Tell me more, Joy Reid. The November elections could well determine whether we have free and fair elections again forever. The stakes are no less than the entire world. I mean, my God, these people are child. I mean, I don't I I think they believe this. But my God, Joy Reid, of all people, you know, horse paced Joe Reid, who lied to you about the fake line for people lining up to die for horse pace, even though it was a line for shots. And they lied about the fact that it was horse pay. I mean, these people are liars or too stupid to know. And here they are. Op-ed, the most important national election. This one's actually going forward to the presidential, but regardless, it's just, it never ends. Here's the union. <laughs> this, is, this is from September 20th. We often hear, this is the most important election of our lifetime, November 8th may really be it with everything on the line. Because the MAGA cult, of course. Whatever it is. It's just it's silly, isn't it? Well, it's no less important than any of the other less important delusions of elections than we've seen before. And and how they continually act like the one they want you to think is good. The other ones are bad and before. So, you know, how dare you suggest that voting machines could be hacked until we want them to be hacked. Then we, we point out how everywhere you look, they're hacked. It's, it's just like politicians coming in or Trump coming in and talking about JFK and 9-11 and all the big conspiracy theories and then doing nothing about that. Lock her up and then doing nothing about that. And then we act like, oh, it was the Democrats who stopped. I don't need to people who who buys that. Who is the people actually saying that today? Are you still inside the two party paradigm? How embarrassing. The problem, though, is that we have an, a, a, the illusion of the back and forth. So here's a here's a Democrat in Minnesota, Representative Angie Craig, as I wrote, saying the quiet part out loud. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma, she says, and standing against my constituents. Now, you may think it's taken out of context or some more to it. No, it's not. You can find the full clip for yourself. It's pretty. She doubles down on this on her documentation. This is what she actually means. Now, ask yourself why anybody would be stupid enough to say that unless... You want that to be the perception. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma and standing against my constituents. Thank you. Yeah, that's basically saying, I want to lose, right? I'm not going to stand up for you, so vote Democrat. 
really? Something doesn't ring true for me, but maybe she's that stupid. Maybe they're that out of touch. Those are certainly possible. I just see a very controlled switch. The Republicans are going to be the ones fighting for your freedom until they make the new injection or the new justification for the Great Reset or whatever. Every single time we fall for this game and every single time it ends up the same way and every single time they justify the next one and every single time it's the most important election of our life. I do you I mean I don't think everybody buys this. I'd like to believe we're smart enough to see through this, but I want us to realize that it's regardless of how they're going to give you the talking points and the Republicans are going to stand up and say we fight for your medical freedom and we believe that you shouldn't be forced to do this. At the same time, they're the ones arguing that we need to give unilateral power to the police because they're under attack or that they need to do they need to do what they have to do to stop the criminals, Trump said, or anybody else. It's We are standing on the precipice of yet another totalitarian government acting like they have the justification to control your lives from a different angle. And we can't connect those dots. I know people don't want to hear this if they believe that Trump or DeSantis or somebody else is going to save them. The problem is that they they as long as they keep you in this paradigm, you will continue to lose. Here's the example of Tulsi Gabbard. The Democrat Party I joined. That party no longer exists. OK, well, here's a point that I've made many times. Her argument is, well, the party of of JFK and MLK and big tent exclusivity and the fought for free speech and civil liberties. OK. Well, you could argue that all of them generally give the lip service to those things. But my point is this. if So you're, you, you identify as a Democrat, right? That's not just a group of people over in the corner. That's ideals. That's written down, documented ideas that you pretend that's what they stand for. So just because they no longer support that, why don't you? Right? I mean, you can't pretend that all the things you have written down as a Democrat are going to be on the Republican side, right? So you're willing to give up all these things that you swear you were like your identity, that you were a Democrat because this, this, and this, because they support free speech. Well, I mean, you're lit. This is the, this is what it looks like to not have anything sacred. You, I mean, if you're going to jump to the other side, they damn well better be embodying everything that you just said the Democrats don't, except that's not the case because they're very different. The reality though, is, I mean, on the surface, the reality is though, behind it all, they're not though. They're all openly fighting for more totalitarian control, more locked. I mean, it's frustrating that she can act like the whole system is the problem and then swing right back into one side of the party. Now, look, maybe she sees some way to change it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Republicans are fighting for you. All those are possible. I'm just very jaded. And you know what? I've got history on my side. And this, I'm not buying. Call me crazy. I think it makes more sense for someone to work with the Republicans and just maintain your ideology. Like the only thing that changed you're claiming is that they no longer believe in the things you claim to. So just maintain what you are. You still believe in those ideals. Continue to point out that they're no longer Democrats. But no, you just change parties. I mean, nothing about that seems genuine to me. That what it does is it drives more people into the the, the whole argument, the red wave and the the uh, what's the term they kept using the um. The hashtag they were using, basically suggesting people are fleeing the Democrat Party over to the right. Now, to a degree, it's happening because they're playing the role of the madness, right? Just like we saw here. I'm only going to stand up for their big pharma. I don't care about my constituents. Really? I, I mean, it just feels very transparent right now. Maybe so they can all argue that they're... I, I, I really don't know. I, I can give you a lot of guesses about why I think it's happening. But at the end of the day, if they keep you trusting the system, you'll continue. I mean, it's the same game, the, the, the same quote, right? 
if you keep playing stupid games, you're going to keep winning stupid prizes. Like if you keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, you're crazy. But here's Jordan Satchtel saying something that I was actually surprised, not because I knew his opinions on this from before, but it's a, it's a hard sell for people that are in, I would argue that kind of he's, he's prominent, right? There is a lot of people that read his platform that are pretty normie, right? That are, that are pretty unaware of the larger picture, maybe just beginning to see through the big pharma illusion, but still don't understand how deep it really goes. And one of those conversations is whether your vote matters. And you know my stance, and I will die on that hill because it's painfully obvious. Here's what Jordan Satchtel said. This was nine hours ago. He actually at first posted a, a, a tweet that he then deleted. And at first I thought it was because he got pushed back about the idea, but he came back and did a whole thread about this. So maybe he just didn't like what it said before or wanted more, more explanation. But check this out. He wrote, voting is the big psyop. Thank God. Here, here. Civic duty, yada, yada, yada. Now, again, that's not to say that voting in a real, honest, genuine representative government is not important. It absolutely is. It's paramount. That's not what we exist in today. He says, that's not the way to change things. Lobbying with intention to corrupt the system to your benefit has an infinitely higher return on investment than voting. We, and, and you don't get to do that. That's for big companies with lots of money. The point is that you can prove. Oh, what was that clip we used to play? Oh, man, I don't even have it because on my old computer. The clip that proves to you, and it was even a written discussion that we don't live in a democracy. Provably. That the people that put the most money into the system always get the biggest turnout. If you, you can prove based on history that, that basically, it de depending on how many Americans support one thing or the other, has a very minimal effect on whether it passes. But you know what has the largest effect on whether something passes? Who puts the most money into it? So if lobbying wants something, it 100% of the time happens. But if they don't want something, it's an almost impossible chance that it will happen, regardless of whether every American supports it. What more do you need to see? This is provable. He goes on to say, how do you think Pfizer achieved regulatory capture and 100 billion revenue stream for garbage products? Through the ballot box? Or is it through the ballot box? Obviously not. They tell you to vote and change things so you don't start thinking about other ways to change things. It's like a financial advisor telling you that the way to get rich is to invest your money in their client's 2% high-yield savings account. The point is that voting is not nearly the most impactful way to make your voice heard and or to protect your sovereignty. Now, that's a great point to make, even for the, in from within the argument that it has an effect. I'm going all the way to the side of it. I do not believe for a second. I'm like adult fairy tale, adult Santa Claus level here. That's where I think this is at. It's childish to think that with everything on the line, that they're going to hope that you vote for the right direction. I mean, look at the way they're framing everything right now. That, that Trump getting elected is like the end of the planet, and yet we're going to just cross our fingers and hope that you go along. I mean, they even proved that's not the case when they wrote that article that suggested that the secret cabal made sure that it wouldn't happen. You see what I'm saying? Like, they tell you that they're taking surreptitious action to sell you on the idea that we're doing the right thing, even though it's not even remotely on the, the scales. But they're going to just hope that you do the right thing. Come on. I mean, it's or that climate change is going to kill the planet, but we're going to just cross our fingers and hope that you vote for the right person. They're telling you what they're doing. The point, though, is that even when you could argue that it makes a difference, his point is that let's just say it does exactly what they say it does. It's still the least impactful way to change things. He says, yep, the normies are herded like sheep into the ballot box under the impression that a politician will fix their problems. It's called the savior complex. We need to break away or break them free from the matrix. And the Tweety Post says this is right in line with the rules followers. Please think People think the ones who follow all the rules all the time are the ones who get ahead in life. <laughs> LOL. 
It's not true, right? I mean, that's that's the embarrassing part. It's it's the illusion they sell the average person. The the people in power, bit captains of industry, just read Trump's book. They rob, they lie, cheat, and steal as a matter of policy. Now it says, I disagree. This would just lock in the he's disagreeing with other points, saying that we that the politician will fix our problems. I disagree. This would just lock in the gains established by the ruling class. More need to learn how to use the system to their advantage. Oh, excuse me, he was referring to this. Lobbyists and lobbying should be illegal. At minimum, no former politicians should ever be allowed to become one. It's a good point, but he says this would only lock in the gains established by the ruling class. Now, it's a good way to start, though. I argue money out of politics kind of argument is a good way to start, but that's so long been argued that I promise you they've got levers in in place to stop that from changing or start rolling in some new system on the positive side of things. He writes, that's why I'm encouraged by the oxygen. People are committing to exposing institutions like the world economic forum and BlackRock and Vanguard, which thrive within the shadows of our institutions, but can't match the relentless assaults waged by our meme armies. BlackRock's brand is so toxic that virtually every GOP state is trying to exit their positions with them. This would have been unfathomable four years ago. Now, if that's even the case, I argue that's because they know what people perceive that they should be doing. Now, I much want to bet that whether they make that public, that there's shell companies and other ways that they're keeping that going. That's my point about the illusion. That's just my opinion. Same goes with the World Economic Forum. You think a real GOP POTUS contender would dare show up to Davos again? How much you want to bet they do? Just trust me on this when I think that there's more overlap to this. And I know people that want to see the Republicans as the savior really don't want to see this. But well, let's, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. We'll see what happens. You want solutions, he says, and the Fed. Absolutely. Separate the money from the state. Absolutely. Invest in parallel economies. Yes, peer-to-peer economies. Buy Bitcoin. Stop being a quitter. Don't be so fast to dismiss real solutions to our problems. We will win. I mean, I agree with him. Take alternative action. People would disagree with certain things, Bitcoin and so on. But the point is just don't follow the path, right? Don't operate within the box they draw for you. Realize that there are other options here. And voting is the least effective, I argue, has zero effect. But this person responds by saying voting isn't a psyop. But this is what a lot of people think. Now, again, I could be wrong, but here's why I think this is incorrect. If it was a psyop, then politicians wouldn't seek to get elected. Well, come on. Can we please think past the first step? Realize that they do so, so you think that there's a situation, and even realize so even further that many of the people that are being elected don't even know that this is going on. They're the puppets. Voting determines who is on city councils, who's sheriff. Now, that I agree with, but we have to differentiate between presidential level, state level, or rather presidential level, congressional level, and then between that and the state level. And then somewhere between there and further down, I argue there is a way that you can make a difference. Maybe I'm wrong on that too. Maybe maybe your local school councils are also manipulated. I mean, who knows? Wouldn't surprise me, but I do think you can make a difference from a local county level and somewhere up. But somewhere along that line, it completely stops being a different Congress, presidential level. That's the point we're making. So I do agree with that. If you're going to do anything in regard to voting, do so on those levels. Count city council, sheriff, the things for your local area. It says we have big money coming in from outside state donors problem, which is mucking up local elections. Well, I I just don't I mean, it's 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 a good hope, but it goes on to say we have a lobbying issue, a mail in ballot issue, ballot harvesting issue. And this is coming from a Republican side of it. But it's, it's true regardless of what side you look at. But that's the big thing coming from one side, not the other. Right now, we have issues with the mechanisms or tools to the process of voting. It's all true, 
The worst part is these tools are the har hardest disentangle. Voting itself is good. Well, we're kind of making the same argument here, right? The system's broken. We're not saying voting is bad. We're saying voting in this system is impossible and it's continuing to do so is, oh, I mean, wishful thinking at best. But on that note, in general, to show you why this is the illusion is so important to them is because they're maintaining the flow of this agenda. And this is the COVID-19 part of this. Now, this is interesting to me. We all saw this coming. This is the, as I said, as the obvious truth becomes impossible to ignore. I expect we will see a lot more of this sidestep. The whole, we did what we thought was right with limited information, but it was always your choice. As I said, but no, you didn't. You ignored information, obfuscated reality, simply not good enough. This is Fergal Bowers from the uh, a journal. It's a corporate outlet in Ireland. Most journalists who have covered COVID-19, he says, have been fearless. Fake news. <laughs> right away, I'm like, nope, nope, that's crazy wrong. Fearless, factual, and done their best to tell the public what is happening. In the end, it's up to the public to make their mind up. Well, yeah, we all agree with that, except that's not what you were saying last year, right? That they don't get to make up their mind. They're wrong and misinformed, and we need to force them to take the injections, right? But now suddenly, it's up their own accord. They made up their own mind. We report facts, he says, not tell people what to think. I mean, really? What an impossibly wrong statement coming from people that were literally doing exactly that, and knowingly so. And the comments are pretty damn clear. Fearless, you aren't covering the, the it's, uh, well, I'm not sure, but here's Jordan Sastel. No, you're a bunch of soy-infused cowards and shills. You're doing your, uh, this one says, schools were safe. Damn, there's a lot of comments down here that are calling them out, yet just pathetic, and, you know, they're lying. I mean, it's, it's incredible that that's the argument. Oh, and weirdly enough, this tweet was, like, unavailable for a second, then it came back. I'm not sure what that means, but. But here's the interesting part about this. Sarah Beth Berwick makes an outstanding point, and I'm actually mad that I didn't think of this first because it's perfect overlap. This is the kind of point that I'm constantly trying to show people. She says, wait, has the message for COVID Twitter now shifted to they never said it prevents infection or transmission and you should have read the study? Right. That's what he's kind of saying. You, know, you, you can do your own due diligence. You're supposed to research for yourself. Ah, okay. Because last time I checked, reading clinical trials meant you were a conspiracy theorist who did your own research. Ah-ha-ha! -ha. Cornered, right? We, they shot themselves in the foot with their lies, as always. Moments ago, you don't do your own research. You're too stupid to understand. But the only place you could have found out the information they're saying is in the trial research and the studies. So I thought we were too dumb to read these things. And we were supposed to listen to the media. But the media lied about it. The media didn't tell you about it. You see the problem? This is how they get caught. As I keep saying, I said, well done, Sarah. This is what happens when they lie about everything. Eventually, they paint themselves into a corner and are forced to contradict the previous lie. What's happening? You can, either we're not supposed to read this stuff or we're supposed to have already known about it. Can't play both ways. I love it. Now, Pfizer Gate is still trending. In fact, continually going and coming and going and coming. It seems like they're trying to stop it, but it's coming back. And it's crazy. Now, again... I, if you want to read, if you want to hear my new, my deeper discussion about this from yesterday, I recommend you do specifically stopping transmission lie. That and the virus mimicking nanoparticles part are going to be clipped out as soon as possible and hopefully put up, uh, I think, probably tomorrow or the next day because those are important parts. But I go through this in depth 
and explain to you why this conversation is being inaccurately framed, even by those that are trying to do it from a good place. You know, breaking Pfizer finally admits. No, it's not actually what happened. There's more to this story. Now, it doesn't mean I'm saying that they're right because they are lying to you. And I'll, I'll, I'll briefly explain that here next. But I just want us to see that that's not the first time. Forbes wrote about it in 2020. Tal Zach said the same thing in an interview in 2021. So it's not new. And I'm not even saying we were the first. Forbes was the first one to break this story. So why now is it being acted as it being framed as this new breaking story? And Tucker has him on. And they go, look at this new thing. And framing it as if they didn't know before. Or rather they knew and they didn't tell you. Or, they, or the fact, rather the fact that they knew it didn't stop. Or that, let's be clear. That they knew that they never studied whether it stopped transmission. Because that opens the door to the fact that they didn't really know. And that's not what happened. The truth is they knew that it didn't. They knew that. Because one, they didn't even try to look into it. And later it turns out the reason is because they knew that it wouldn't. And all their documentation makes this clear. We've been breaking this down since 2020. The problem, though, is that this is being framed, and this is my argument about just being skeptical about why now? Why suddenly are masks allowed to be questioned? Why suddenly is the Wuhan lab argument allowed to be discussed? Why suddenly are they just on a dime saying, okay, now we can talk about the transmission point just because she said it. It's not the first time. We've been shouted down this whole time despite people in Moderna and the government and elsewhere making this point. It's just something I want us to be skeptical of. Now here is to quickly go through this yet again, because there's more information that's come out. Here's an AP fact check. This was on the 13th. Pfizer never claimed to have tested the impact of its COVID vaccine on transmission. Now, here's the point. That's, I think, as far as I can tell, it's it's uh, technically true to a degree. The reason being is that they are playing this game very, here's my, I argue that they very clearly knew this would come to pass because, they probably have legal teams outlining how they were supposed to say this. Because the first, the point is their documentation, as I've been pointing out since 2020, clearly shows this. Their trials were not designed to find anything other than mild to moderate symptoms and suppress those. And I think it failed at that. And even the Forbes article makes the clear, clear point that they clearly knew this wouldn't stop transmission. They didn't even try. Talzak said we didn't even try. The study wasn't even looking into it because we were paid enough. They could have and we could have done that. So it was a choice to not do so. So the first point is that they are... It is clear that that was never an attempt and it was recorded. Now, the, what happened after that is that Pfizer, the government, the media, all basic, out, either outright stated stop transmission or aggressively insinuated that it did. Now, you can make up your own mind about the Pfizer tweets, about whether they stated it or they were simply insinuating that they were going to. However you spin it, the way that they can say that this fact check is wrong. Because the way that they played this was making people think that it did and then going so far as to mandate it because they claimed that it did stop transmission. Now, where was Pfizer when that was happening? Why didn't they stand up and say, we don't know that. You shouldn't be mandating that. We don't know because they didn't care. They were in line with this manipulation. But here's the next part. Here is Pfizer's tweet from January 13, 2021. Here's the first point. They wrote, the ability to vaccinate at speed to gain herd immunity and stop transmission is our highest priority. Okay, so there's no misunderstanding that they want you to think that this is that what they're doing has the intention of stopping transmission. Now, that doesn't just mean that we're crossing our fingers and hoping that it has that effect. It means that they're trying to make that the case. But we're now seeing that's not the case. That's not the reality. So there's your first example of a lie. Because what they're saying now is that, well, we don't know. That wasn't for sure. We didn't know. And 
Okay. Well, at this exact moment, we were already realizing it wasn't stopping transmission. And then you could find out that the documentation was never meant to do so, but they kept floating the idea that that was their highest priority. If it was their highest priority, they would be trying to find out if it did, right? I mean, it's blatantly obvious. So they wanted you to think that was what was happening. Here's the CEO of Pfizer. Although data, and this is on June 8th, 2021, so many months later, although data shows that severe COVID is rare in children, widespread vaccination is a critical tool to help stop transmission. That's why I'm excited we have begun dosing participants to age 5 to 11. Okay, so what he's pointing at is the trial. Or, or, or rather, even whether it's trial or real world, the point is that we're pointing at the vaccination process and saying a critical tool, that this is a tool to stop transmission. You see my point? That is very obviously insinuating that that's why we're doing this. Right. So you you could legally speaking, you could simply argue, I'm just stating a fact that vaccination in general is a critical tool to stop transmission, period. Next sentence. That's why I'm excited to do this. Not that I'm saying it does this, but just the idea that it could like I argue there's a legal sidestep there. To be clear, I know that they knew that it stopped trans that didn't stop transmission, that they hid that from you. And it very clearly pushed that. Now, I'm realizing right now that I had an an image let me see if I can just grab it really quickly of a tweet. Oh, actually, let me just do this. I'll do this in real time. This is actually a good uh, practice for you guys to check out. They, they, they clearly make it difficult to do advanced searches on this platform. So taking his, his name here. For some reason, you have to search something. Get this to pop up. So then you can go to advanced search. Now, let's do Africa. Post his link, and then you'll get everything in his Twitter feed that has that in it. Yep, there it is right there. See, this, is, this in my opinion, is the most important one. Because there's no misunderstanding this. So we just went from him saying it's critical, which clearly insinuates that it was. Here he is on April 2021 saying, this study showed our COVID-19 vaccine was 100% effective in preventing COVID-19. There's no misunderstanding that. So he's lying. The fact check, the garbage, they're lying. Pfizer never claimed to have tested. Okay, well, you, that may be in, in, technically accurate. Just because you never, you're claim, we never claimed to study whether it stopped transmission, but you sure as hell claim that it did right there and many other times, right? So there's the nuance for you because the problem is, and it's, I mean, I shouldn't even say it's a problem. Because it's, I, look, at this point, as long as this gets covered, the reality about what happened, I think that's, the, that's really what matters at the moment. But I'm just very cautious and concerned about why they're putting this out and why a lot of people that should know better are framing it the way that the media gave it to them. Saying, well, the, since the first time Pfizer admitted this, that's right there. That's not true. That's not accurate. And that's why they're, they're giving them daylight to argue and fact check this in weird ways to confuse people. That's the only thing I'm trying to point out. The truth is that they did clearly push the idea and clearly made it insinuated and outright stated in this case that it did. Here's another example where he says, where he basically puts, again, the, the broad idea. Well, when you vaccinate, again, you could he could legally in a court of law argue, I wasn't talking about ours specifically, but he says when you vaccinate, it's not just for you, it's for your society and, your, and those around you. Well, what does that mean? That means it implies it stops transmission because if it, knowing that it doesn't, that statement's meaningless. They know all of this, guys. Goal is to prevent the sickness. 
and that will maximize your chances to do well. Prevent the sickness means stopping transmission. It doesn't mean lessening symptoms. Preventing is not lessening as much as they want to play this game. And that will maximize the chances of people that you love not to get infected. You vaccinate not only for yourself. You vaccinate also to protect society and particularly to protect those that you love the most because they are the ones that you are together. Okay, nice. So at the World Economic Forum, openly saying that it's about transmission. That's what it is. That's what he said right there. They're always going to play semantics with certain words, but that's how this game is played. Now, again, now it turns out, now we already knew, I've been saying it since 2020, but either way, even test, if they, they didn't even test this vaccine, was preventing transmission. However, Pfizer CEO lied to the world that it did. Now that I agree with. So, you, know, it, it, you may not think it matters, guys, but it really does, though. Like if we, if we start off on a foundation of, of incorrect information, it will eventually end up being, it'll screw, it'll screw, it'll screw us over. It will. They will use that to undermine the entire point, and it's really about reaching on new people, and the new people who might not be aware of the full picture will get swayed by this kind of argument. Well, no, here's the documentation where it clearly shows they didn't do that, and they openly said, okay. See, that's not the point, though. The point is how they sold you on the idea that it did and quietly put out the documentation and pretended that you should have known to look there while telling you you were a conspiracy theorist if you were looking at it. This is very coordinated as far as I'm concerned. A lot of indications right now that uh, are telling us that there is uh, uh, a protection against uh, transmission of the disease. Oops. There it is. Right. So, what? He, what but see, what he's saying in this case is what they're saying in the media today. That, well, we're just using observational information. And what we see in front of us right now is that it suggests that it stops transmission. That's the game they played. The point is, I argue, and based on their information, they knew that wasn't true when he said that. But all they can do is say, we think it does. It might. And they can get away with it. Because in a court of law, they go, well, I didn't know for sure. We just said that based on observation, it could, it might do that. Or the argument they're really trying to push, which is that if you lessen symptoms even moderately, even a little bit, well, that has an effect on transmission. That's not an incorrect statement, but it's it's pretty impossible to to met to to uh, quantify. And that's what the girl made uh, the woman made in that argument in the show that yeah, it does have a very small effect on the symptoms, but that even is showing to not be as as important or even as real as they're making it out to be, especially since you add on all the na- the absurd side effects that have all sorts of negative things. But the overall point is. That the transmission is still happening and, in fact, exponentially higher in those that get vaccinated. So their entire argument is completely false. But they sure sell you on it. Here's the, one of the memes circulating. Nobody said you wouldn't get COVID if you're vaccinated. That people are actually saying that because that's the line being spread. And these people do nothing if not blindly regurgitate what they're told the truth is, right? Oh, but they did, though. Here is President Biden. You're not going to get COVID if you, don't have, if you have these vaccines. We've heard that many times. Rochelle Walensky, CDC, vaccine that people do not get sick, or I'm trying to, I can hear it in my head. Vaccine that people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, right? That's exactly how she says it. Quote, when people are vaccinated, they can feel safe, they will not be infected. Dr. Fauci. They're really, really good against variants, Dr. Fauci. Or how about Rachel Maddow? It stops with you. Stops with the virus. Or whatever she said. <laughs> it's right here. During 2021, we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines, and, and that vaccine... A key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission. 
uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. We can kind of almost see the end. We're, we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. All these clips are still on YouTube. All of them. The vaccines will get us to the end of this. Essentially, vaccines block you from getting and giving um, the virus. Fully vaccinated people are at a very, very low risk of getting COVID-19. Ah, the shift begins. If you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. We have all the vaccines we need. We just need our people to take it. A, for their own protection. All right, I have enough of that. So here is the media side of it. At least, this is UK media. Same point anywhere you look, though, right? No jab, no job. Shoppers vouch to boost jab youth to get the vac or risk the sack. Young Scots must get jabs. COVID in Scotland, get fully vaccinated if you want to travel, right? All of these with the underlying point that it's because it stops transmission. And they all sold you on. You can read them all. They literally state that. I mean, you remember, it was fake news conspiracy theory to argue that it didn't stop transmission right up until they finally admitted that it didn't. And that's how this always tends to go. Now, this is somebody pointing out the same point, but from an, a from a Washington Post article written by, of course, Lena Wen, who later admitted this isn't the case. Like, it's just embarrassing how this shifts. But in light of Pfizer's own admission that the vaccine was never intended to stop transmission, they, again, which wasn't just the first time, I've compiled another thread bringing you the receipts of vitriol and media complicity of the last two years. Now, I'll only show you a couple of them, but this is a great thread. You should read through this. Where you can see all these opinion remaining unvaccinated in public should be considered as bad as drunken driving. I mean, my God, talk about aging badly. And it says here, the choice to remain unvaccinated is equivalent to driving while intoxicated. We made fun of this when it came out. How pathetic this was. Severe bodily harm are largely preventable. Both are individual decisions with societal consequences. My God, again, that's the point. No, it doesn't have transmission. That's not the case. We elaborate the society has an obligation to prevent the unvaccinated from leaving their homes. These are, I mean, the, you, you, these people, you're not, you're going to pretend like they wouldn't rationalize doing something to you without your knowledge. This is what they're actually writing in mainstream corporate media. Crazy. Again, to prevent people from getting sick. That's Pfizer right there. Same thing. Pfizer, 100% effective. Tested. For, I would like to know that I've tested positive for COVID. 100% effective. What? Right? It doesn't make sense. I'd like to make sure I'm being clear here. If you're over 50, unvaccinated, and you die gasping on an auction concentrator, I would like to come visit you in hospital so my vaccinated self can laugh in your loved one's face. That, that's a real person. Now, the crazy part about this is that the people going in there and getting on oxygen are the ones taking the injections, right? That's actually what's been happening, in my opinion, by and large. And the people that are going in there and being put on oxygen, whether or not they have an injection, in the context of the people that are actually this is the, there's two situations here people that are dead are dangerously are being driven to near death by the injection and being treated the same way which is equally problematic or the people that aren't actually that sick they go in they get told they have covid and then get put on oxygen and that kills them which by the way the numbers were crazy i didn't even end up talking about it there's just so many topics, but I've seen reports about the people that it was like 90 something percent of people that put on these things. I'm, I might be wrong on the number, but it's very high. 
died. That's why Dr. Rydell came out and said, we're not doing the right thing. And he got shouted down, right? These people are mad and they are trusting the narrative. Oh, gotta love Mr. Uh, Howard Stern believes hospitals should turn away people not getting injections. He's a scared old man, right? I say, Mr. An- Mr. Anti-authority, right? <laughs> Trust the government now because I'm scared. It's all like rage with the machine, right? Well, here is what I see coming next with the, the argument about the shifting of the narrative, right? The now, oh, well, it's your fault that you didn't blind. You know, it's just, it's, it, I don't even know how people make these arguments. It's the whole, uh, what's his name? Scott Adams argument. I think that's the guy's name. I don't misquote the right, the wrong person. But the idea that, you know, you were wrong, even though you were right. And I was right, even though I was wrong, right? That's where people are at. Well, here's a video that's come out on, I think it's Netflix or Hulu called Dope Sick. And guess what it's about? The opioid crisis. Oh, guess what? We're still in an emergency for that. That's technically still an ongoing emergency. Explain that to me. But it's a video. Whitewashing what happened. As I said, get ready for the COVID jab version of this in a few years. Or maybe a few months, knowing how rapidly this all moves today. As long as a whitewashing documentary is made, it's over, right? No accountability needed. Just make a fake documentary that makes it look like we care. That's what we call a, that's what I, I coined this, I guess, Netflix accountability. This is a video about the opioid crisis. Now, this is going to make you sick. This is just a, a, a doctor that wants to do right. They got fooled right, because that's how that went down, right? I'm telling you, get ready for the COVID version of this, that they're going to repaint the story however they want. It's up there in the mountains. Many of my patients are minors. It's dangerous work, and they carry the burden of building this nation on their backs. They're in pain. These people, my people, trusted me. Right, so first of all, the argument that we needed something Right. Like, like there's not natural, like the idea, first of all, that people should understand is that these, these inject, or geez, these opioids, there's plenty of studies about this. They aren't even that effective in stopping pain. That's the wild part about all this. They just drug you up to a point to where you don't care, but you still, you ask anybody that you still feel pain. Take something like Kratom, in fact, that is exponentially more effective in regard to the pain. And I've, re- I've talked to people that had hardcore back surgery that took Kratom instead and elite got rid of a whole counter full of drugs. Regardless of that, do what you think is best. I'm not a doctor. The point is that this is framing as a way that justifies first that there was a need for something that they just got manipulated. And then the point was that it wasn't, or I'll let it play. I can't believe how many of them are good now. They're in pain. These people, my people, trusted me. I can't believe how many of them are good now. We've begun looking at something that could be big. Oxycontin. Purdue Pharma, they've been marketing the drug as something that's not addictive when it clearly is. All your doctors are going to be asking, how is this even possible? Your most effective talking point are these magic words. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. They told me that less than 1% would become addicted. Right. So you see the gist of it, right? So it's not the government's fault. It's not the doctor's fault. It was the evil company that manipulated all of them. And we find them a billion dollars, so it's all over. Right. Even though they made trillions. It's oh, just give a billion dollars. Slap the wrist. No one's in jail. No big deal. Despite the fact that they then marketed Narcan for the very problem they knew they were creating. Still, no problem. No big deal. None of these people are in jail. Right? The government was well aware of what was happening. Easy to prove. But this will whitewash the whole thing as just another womp womp accidental problem of everyone thinking they were doing right by somebody and they all got confused. And you know, this is how this works, guys. 
guess what will happen the moment they need to sell you on what they wanted you to think COVID was really about. Here comes the Netflix documentary. I bet you it's already being made. It's frustrating. Now here, of course, YouTube is absolutely the worst platform on the planet, by the way. Just wanted to point out what just happened right there as it refreshed. Oh, it actually kept the spot. It usually doesn't. But anyway, I still agree. YouTube has broken itself and it's a terrible platform. So many better platforms out there today. But here is just in case you forgot, this was this was 2020. This was how Bill Gates responded. We played this way back then. This was how he responded when he was asked whether the vaccines are safe. It's a simple question, isn't it? Look at how he responded. We looked. After the second dose, at least 80% of participants experienced a systemic side effect, ranging from severe chills to fevers. So... Are these vaccines safe? Well, the uh, the FDA not being pressured will look hard at that. The FDA is the gold standard of regulators uh, and their current guidance on this, if they stick with that, is, is very, very appropriate. Just, uh, just to be clear, this is at a point when they're calling it safe and effective, just so we're clear on that. Uh, and... You know, the, it, the, 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 the side effects were not super severe. That is, it didn't cause permanent health problems for uh, the things that are, they, you know, Moderna did have to go with a fairly high dose. And so, uh, you know, to get the antibodies, some of the other vaccines uh, are going able to go with lower doses to get uh, responses that are, are pretty high, including the the J&J and the Pfizer. That's what and squirming so looks like. There's a lot of characteristics of these vaccines. Um, it's great that we have multiple of them uh, that are <laughs> Bill, going out there. And, and yes, I you, think you know the data the better than I do. But the bill, Bill, the, the data showed that everybody with a high dose had a, a side effect. Yeah, but some of that is is not dramatic. Where you know it's just you know, super painful, but yes, there, <laughs> we need to make sure there's not severe side effects. The FDA, uh, I, I, I think will do a good job of that, uh, despite the pressure. How- wow. Wow. That, that was his answer to, are these safe? Yeah. I, I'm, why did anybody buy this? I, I mean, I'm starting to wonder if anybody, if the, if, Anybody other than a very small minority actually wanted this because they thought it was going to keep them safe. I I mean, I'm willing to bet at this point that the vast, vast, vast majority of people did it because they thought they had to, because they thought they were, they they were told that it would kill their grandma because they told they had to go, they needed to, to, to work or to go to the store or to get on the bus. I mean, my God, that was his answer. And this is, this is September, July, 2020. Right. My God. Now, the bivalent part of this is still continuing, guys. And this is, this is from October 12th. Same point we already told you. But just hearing from somebody like, like Johns Hopkins, Marty McCary, MD, it appears the FDA no longer requires clinical trial data. Pfizer and Moderna's new Omicron injection tested in eight mice was authorized for emergency use for children on the 12th, five and up who are at the highest risk of vaccine-induced myocarditis. FDA bypassed their expert advisors, one of which is Paul Offit, the most political FDA CDC in U.S. history. 
Remember, Paul Offit voted no in the first meeting, but they were supposed to hold a larger meeting where they go over this stuff publicly and they just skipped it. This is how off the rails we are. This is an injection that has not been tested and it gets even worse, guys. uh, Vinay Prasad points out that I still haven't read any human data on this new booster, rather injection, means anyone is less likely to get COVID or less likely to get very ill. And if so, what ages? Nothing. Also, how does a newspaper run by elitists prove they are out of touch with the people that they're supposed to cover? Like this. New York Times, as we enter our third pandemic holiday season. Oh, so we're still a pandemic? Really? I thought we were out of the pandemic phase. Oops, who cares? Some doctors are fearing a seasonal surge in COVID, or the flu, in fact. But with a bit of advanced planning, family gatherings this year can resemble something like pre-pandemic times. Oh, thank you for the the allowance to pretend to be normal. (laughs) How to mitigate it? Get the new shot, right? Of course. The new thing that we don't know if it's safe, hasn't been tested, that is clearly, at the very least, as dangerous as the one before. But go get it, though, because New York Times said. Wow. Well, here is some information about the new variants. Right, the new things that are already becoming prevalent, despite, and again, that's within their narrative, understand? That's important to understand, that right now, there are corporate outlets that are saying, these new variants are overtaking this. Okay, well, they're still pushing the bivalent thing under a guise, that's what's needed. If we're already seeing new variants, even if they're lying about it, take over the narrative. How does that make sense? Even, this is lying about everything, guys. This is what it looks like. And this is pretty embarrassing. How are they going to sell this to people if it doesn't make sense anymore, even from within their narrative? Q1.1. It's here being watched closely and highly likely to latch on. It has mutations which make it more able to evade our immunity um, and that overseas it definitely seems to be displacing B.8.5. The new Omicron subvariant detected in a PCR test in Southland, then again in the wastewater. Okay, and don't forget that they don't have the technology to test for these variants in almost every location they're doing so. So it comes down to an estimation, unless they have one of the central locations, but there's only so many of them around the world. I already pointed this out the very first time they started pretending to test for variants with PCR. So none of this is proof. This is assumption from authority figures in most cases. There's actually a great deal of uncertainty about exactly how it will behave in New Zealand because New Zealand has a slightly different background in terms of immunity. So... Overseas experience suggests it will replace BA.5, and we will monitor it closely. It's out Which, by the way, implies that that's already happened over here, because that's what's happening. Eating the other sub-variants, and if that means effectively it's infecting more people, and it will cause a wave of infection. So it may well do the same thing here. But if it doesn't, there will be others waiting in the wings that will do that. It's arrival coming after we've ditched masks, mandates and most other COVID measures like the rest of the world. In the last week. Right, because it's your fault, right? You, you didn't do the thing you were told you didn't have to do anymore. And it's your fault. Now it's coming back. Week alone, we've had more than 3 million reported cases. And we know that's an underestimate. Because survey- I love how they do that. We know you can't know what's an underestimate when it comes to Vayers, of course not. But we know this, though. It's, it, it, and these are cases based on PCR tests and the liberal overlapping of flu and pneumonia and COVID. But we're still pretending like we, that known fact doesn't matter when they scream about how deadly these number of cases are. It's just insulting to your intelligence. The whole damn thing is. And here's another one. I'm not even going to let it play out. I'm going to try to get through the rest of this show. Here's another one. This is the same kind of report from NBC. For weeks now, it seems like COVID-19 has been receding from our charts and even our minds. 
The majority of the crowds walking into San Jose's SAP Center Friday night were seen with no masks and a whole lot of excitement. See, it's your fault. Others admit the virus is still lingering in the back of their mind. Uh, I know I still think about it, and, you know, i got to help protect this little guy over here. I'm also, you know, concerned about what's going to come after the BA variants. We might already know what's next, at least for this winter. A pack of new variants battling to take over, including BQ1 and BQ1.1. I mean, BA46 is already 12%, at least what they're pointing out there. Like, this is irrationally stupid. You're talking about something that hasn't even been tested, and your, your excuse for why you jam that out so fast is we got to hurry before the new variants come along. <laughs> okay? How does that make sense? You're talking about people that are... I mean, a large portion of people in this country have had at least one shot. Their argument is that was what you needed to stop the explosion of variants, but it's still happening. So, and the reality is, as we know, it's the injected that are the ones creating the variants based on every metric anywhere you can look at, except for the corporate media saying the otherwise. It's saying that's not true. Here's the reality. Based on what? Your hopeful, wishful thinking? The facts, the correlation with the explosion of variants and the administration of the injections, the reality about leaky vaccines. I mean, we're at a point now where they're ignoring everything, every, everywhere, facts, science, and just stating narrative, but pretending that is trusting the science because the CDC says it. This is crazy. So here we are watching this happen, and they're still pushing the bivalent because they need to get it out quick before this goes away. So are we in danger? Is it necessary? Like they're almost exposing the reality of what they're trying to do by telling you that this is not very dangerous. Not many people are dying anymore. One one thousandth of the risk of children. But hurry and get them injected because they're all going to die. But that doesn't make sense anymore, does it? We can't rush for your safety if we're not even in danger based on their own narrative. They've lost control of this entirely. And here's another one. Last one. Really, three categories of new variants that we're tracking right now. Um, they're, they're easily broken down into level four, level five, and level six variants. That's how a lot of scientists are referring to them right now, based on a number of unique mutations in the spike protein, that business end of the virus, if you will. Right now, we see level four uh, mutations like BF7 spreading in Austria, Belgium, Denmark, and the UK. We see level five um, variants spreading in India and level six in Singapore. My God, I, you know, it's, I don't even, I don't even know if I trust any of that at all. I mean, it, it's just insult. Like, I mean, these are PCR tests, right? And we're supposed to just believe that they're all using, I mean, we don't, we know that most of them don't have the ability to do that. And yet we're just cataloging all of these variants and everything popping off and every. I mean, it's just, it just seems ridiculous. Now, my point is arguably that they use that to keep you scared, but that in and of itself undermines the very reason why this rushed bivalent shot means anything. Everything makes sense. Everything contradicts everything else right now. Now, this is a really alarming part of what's happening is that they're acting like they're doing all of this for your best interest. And guess what's popped right back into the scene? And the reality actually is that it never went away. Gain of function research. This is actually openly being published right now while we're calling out what this problem is. Dr. Claire Craig points this out, and this is crazy. This is something they've done to Omicron. And guess what? They created an 80% mortality rate by doing what they did. For what, to what end? And she says, such experiments are utterly unethical. Now, I'll just, I'll, here's the breakdown. I'll just read you from the actual study. Role of spike in pathogenic and antigenic behavior of SARS-CoV-2 BA1 Omicron. October 14th, here's what it says. We generated chimeric recombinant SARS-CoV-2 encoding 
the S gene of Omicron in the backbone of an ancestral SARS-CoV-2 isolate and compared this virus with the naturally circulating Omicron variant. So in case you don't miss the words, trimeric meaning multiple different parts of different things, recombining it with SARS-CoV-2 to encode the S gene of Omicron in the backbone of the ancestral SARS-CoV-2 isolate. All right, so they're claiming they're taking the original thing, which I don't even know if we can prove that's even there. Whatever's in that Petri dish of garbage, they claim they, they I mean, I don't even know, like they have a genetic code from the computer that China gave them or whoever isolated they claim later. Either way, we're talking about some mixture that they're using to claim it's the ancestral version of this, but they're, cla- they're taking the S gene of Omicron and putting it on this other thing, right? And comparing that with the current thing circulating. That's what they're saying. So however you spin this, that's gain of function. It says, and, and based on what they did, exactly provable. The Omicron S bear, the Omicron spike bearing virus robustly, so the one they altered, robustly escapes vaccine induced humoral immunity, which, by the way, so do all of them because they don't have mucosal immunity. And this is a ridiculous argument that the first thing even does what they say it does. Regardless, that's not the point, mainly due to mutations of the receptor binding motif. Yet, unlike naturally occurring Omicron, efficiently replicates in cell lines and primarily primary like distal lung cells in K18 H 2 mice, the mice they have for this test while Omicron, the original or whatever they're calling the one they tested causes mild non-fatal infection. The one they made in the lab, the Omicron S carrying virus inflicts severe disease with a mortality rate of 80%. I frankly don't even care what they think that finds for them. This indicates that while the vaccine escape, the, the, the S mutation, well, we all know the spike protein is the biggest problem. That's the point. That's what we've been screaming about, including the one you induce with the injection. Now, especially. But why in the world are we allowing these people to make this thing exponentially more dangerous? To, I mean, anybody. I don't even understand how this is possible. While we're watching, while we're having the conversation about whether this might have come from a lab. And this is what this guy says. Hope that one don't, doesn't escape. <laughs> My God. The point is the gain of function research is absolutely continuing. Now, explain for me how this can be used to benefit anybody. What's your argument here? You just made something that can kill 80% of the people that get infected with it in an area where you know, don't forget, the U.S. government's admitted to one leak every three days for seven years straight around their BSO-4 labs, including Fort Detrick, which works on coronaviruses, which is a clear concerning part that ties into the beginning of all of this that nobody wants to talk about. Regardless, it's possible that could leak out. Why are we letting them play with this? This is terrifying. The real question is, is that what's next? Now, to finish this last segment, last segment, or last segment with this segment before we talk about the very interesting overlap of the problems that are happening... This is the frustrating part about what the, you know, the speed of science they keep saying. Don't forget, we just heard that Paxlovid has all these other problems, right? Suddenly it doesn't work for under 65. Suddenly when used alongside other treatments, it causes blood clots, right? Well, you know how we would have known all of this had they studied it at all, other than the way they rushed. Her point, Pfizer's COVID drug Paxlovid may cause deadly blood clots. It's so great we're finding out this out now after the drug was quickly authorized and thrown into the marketplace, after it was given to people, right? Now, fine, if you want to try to make the argument that we were in so much danger that we had to do this, which you, it's easily proven not to be true, that's the only thing you could say. 
The reality is this is the justification for why what they're doing is wrong, even if you think they're doing it for good reasons. If you rush something out, the problems that were almost inevitably, I'm going to go ahead and say always in history with pharmaceutical drugs that come to pass will happen in people's lives instead of during a trial. That's all that changes. And guess what? They run away from it like every other time before. So why can't we think about this now? Guess what's going to happen with the bivalent? Well, in so many period, in how, however long it takes, we're going to look at these problems suddenly. And now the reports come out. And we, we even though we were censored for saying it in the beginning, they're going to say, guess what? It causes this. And it's okay, though, because we're finding this new pill that'll stop it. Well, it's not okay because you guys rushed this out and put it in people's arms, forced them to take it, and then act like it's okay that we figured it out later. This is criminal in every sense of the word. And here they are still trying to downplay myocarditis. This argument is wrong, even if this is a a true study, which I argue it's not, and I'll show you why, or accurate study. This is the same false argument. October 13th, again, despite the recent study that came out showing 1 in 1,500 to 1 in 3,000, which is peer-reviewed. Plenty of other articles back this up, and yet this one study says something different, and this is the only one the corporate media points at. And guess what? It's an observational study of of meta-analysis of many studies of observational and everything else, but based on uh, reported data, right? But yet we have real world, real person information based on people that we can prove had this in their overlap and their history and showing the risk. And yet this is what they point at. It's a willful choice. Myocarditis, they claim, induced by COVID-19 is substantially greater than the risk posed by vaccines. But again, even if that's true, it's not a fair, it's a false equivalency. Because you take the injection and the risk that is very high is instantaneously yours. You have that risk. But you need to catch COVID to get the risk they claim is there. And that catching COVID part is very low for the vast majority of people. There you go. So it's false. And they know that. They're just blind to you like everything else they're doing. But here's the study itself. August 29th. Myocarditis and SARS-CoV-2 infection versus COVID-19 vaccination. Simple, simple point to point out. Their methods were using electronic databases and trial registries searched through this time frame. That's it. So I'm not saying it's it's still useful, but understand if all you're going to do is look at what was reported during a time when people were attacked for reporting this, then it's not going to be accurate. Because what happens is even even if you think everything was reported that usually gets reported, which we know that's not the case. That represents 1% to 10% of the picture, right? So you're taking what you know is not the full picture and arguing comparing that to what you can what you can prove is an overblown picture and misrepresented. And comparing those two things, and we think that's fair, and then you're ignoring all the other peer-reviewed science. So there's a val- there's a, a purpose to this kind of study, but it is not the kind of study that gets this kind of title. They just don't care about everything else. Now, here are just many more examples, and this is not the full picture. As I've been doing an ongoing, continual work on this and showing you every day all the new people, that, but this is just a continuation of it. I've done entire segments on this one topic if you want to look into it further, but here's how this continues to happen. As Nat points out, how it started, how it's going. Here is Doug Bringanol. I've had confidence in, my va- in the vaccine based on my research to get it done. Those of you who think the vaccine kills people can use me as a test. If I die, you were right. If I don't die and have no ill effects, you were wrong and should admit it. 
April 4th, 2021. Sadly, October 14th, 2022. Bodybuilder and fitness author Doug Brignall has passed away. Now, he was 63. He was in very good shape. But, simply pointing it out. Now, it was, it was you know, we're talking April 2021 to October 2022. It's quite a while, right? But that's the whole point about how these things work. How they continue to build and get worse. And he arguably got more shots. And that continues to make it exponentially, exponentially more dangerous. As and many experts, I think the majority of experts in the world today, are saying. But that's just one example. Now, it could be something else, sure. But why isn't why doesn't anybody care to ask these questions? If we don't know what caused it, then that means it could be the thing that can cause this kind of death, as they've admitted to. But that's one of the most obvious manipulations. If you say it can do this, and yet when it happens, we go, could it have been the vaccine? They go, fake news! How does that make sense? You can't admit that it can do it and then shout down anybody asking whether it could be that. That's an easily pointed out problem in logic. Here's a pretty obvious one. This is a, is a, a famous uh, TikToker, I believe. I'll just let you watch it for yourself. This is, this is her story. Very sad. Very, very sad how this is working out for people. Well, guys, I'm going to get the needle today. Everybody wish me luck. Getting it right here, right here. I'm not sure. Wish me luck. Have a great day. Good morning, fuckers and fuckettes. I am vaccinated, caffeinated, and freshly masturbated. Time to grab the day bites balls. Consensually, of course. I am home, and I feel fine. I feel perfect so far. It's only been 21 minutes. I'll keep you updated. God, it just makes me sad. It makes me so sad. TikToker Candace Murley unexpectedly dies at 36. I mean, it's just so sad. It really, it hurts me that we can't get through to some people out there. This is so, I'm not even, like, I'm not saying I know for sure what happened here. But can we all not see? I mean, I don't even need to ask the question. This is my point. I keep coming back to everybody sees this. You're either choosing not to acknowledge it. For a re- for an agenda because you're tied to agenda because you don't want to admit you're wrong or or you just are too dumb to see how clearly obvious this is based on the history based on you know the, the how many people like this has happened in this age group throughout history or how many athletes have collapsed everything you look at proves that this is so far beyond what we've ever seen before and all they want to do is just ignore it or act like I don't even, I mean what just ignore it there's no other explanation no other they're simply ignoring this reality they're not even trying to argue this just like with theirs. They have a, 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 a lazy dismissal argument. Well, it's conspiracy theorists or something. And that's it. It's over, apparently, despite all the information. God, it's so sad. Here's another young person falling down. This is actually pretty crazy. The way that the, the security guard responds to this is so very telling. So this, this is a person who is getting a shot, or at least there. And this another uh, yet another person collapses while they're there see where the Did fuck he just get a shot just got his just got his fourth fucking jab this is criminal what you guys are doing is criminal it's a kid oh a criminal the third the first three didn't let's work go. let's go slow. Do you think i'm intimidated or something i just passed out 
freedom to walk and record them all all I want. Just stare at me like you're making a difference. It's not a good fucking difference. Let's go. Hmm. My God. Right? I mean, it looks it looks quite a bit like what we've shown before. It happens quite often, especially at these. I mean, think about the idea that you're in a mall, right? Are we still pretending like they have all the equipment needed for all the possible side effects that are listed on their documentation? That's required by law, right? But guess what? They don't have any of that stuff at these locations, at the mall, at the Waffle House, at the Walgreens. They don't have this stuff, nor do they have it at the drive-in clinics where the... I'm not taking that shit. Oh my god, man. It's crazy. So in lieu of treatment, we sh- we rub their chest and roll them on their back, right? Because, you know, classically when someone passes out, the smart thing is to put them on their back, right? great job guys this is probably some random lady working at this place that has no idea what she's doing i mean would a nurse put a passed out person on their back that's the last thing you do but maybe it's because they're more concerned about you seeing that it's happening however you look at this they're breaking the law by doing all this everywhere because they don't have the equipment needed to deal with these problematic side effects they don't and that's you can read it in their own documentation here's another horrifying example i mean god this is sickening to me So all the people out there pretending this isn't a problem, I don't care what you think is happening. The fact that you're ignoring that it is happening, or rather, I don't care if you think it's happening because of the jab. The fact that you're ignoring that it's happening makes you a disgusting human being. High school cancels the rest of the football season due to a lack of healthy players. Now, before you start screaming, it's all because of COVID, realize that in this location specifically, but anywhere else you look, it is dramatically low right now. At the very least, all we're seeing is yelling about cases and the hospitalization and death has completely fallen apart, except for the baffling excess death that's not COVID related that we don't want to talk about. And here we are. October 13th, a high school in Kentucky says it's canceling the rest of the season for its varsity team because they don't have enough healthy players. It's not COVID, guys. It's not what we're talking about. As Doug uh, Corrigan, who was I saw where I saw this, points out, Bellevue High School has joined other programs to cancel the football seasons. Okemos High School in Michigan, Lincoln Northwest High School in Nebraska. Yeah, totally normal though, right? During the down part of what we're claiming is the COVID pandemic, right? If this was going to happen, it would have happened at the peak if it was COVID related. My God. Oh, I want to hold on. Go back. Oops. Oh, no, that was right. Okay, let's include that. And here's another sad example. Haitian singer. Mikaben, uh, I guess Mikaben is his name, drops down dead on the stage in Paris last night. 41 years old. Drops dead on the stage, dead on the spot. interesting overlap to haiti by the way 
Not that I necessarily think it's connected, but interesting. Now, here's the example I was talking about in the beginning. Here's an, this is coming from Fox News, telling you that this woman was paralyzed because of COVID-19. Certainly possible, anything's possible, but shouldn't they have to prove a statement like that? Right? Shouldn't they have to prove that that is what caused it if they're going to get up on the news and claim that this is what caused it? It's just, just, just a thought. Forget if I, I thought I downloaded this one. Let me see. Huh. I'm trying to remember my logic for, oh, here it is. Tonight, a miraculous recovery for a woman suffering from COVID-19. Doctors at Orlando Health think the virus somehow targeted her spinal cord. Think that it's somehow, so we don't know is the answer. Go ahead and say it, bud. We don't know, though, so we're going to yell at you what we think happened. Great journalism. How can you even have this report? That's the first thing he said. They don't know what's going on, but we're going to go ahead and blame COVID so we can yell at you a bunch of COVID stuff and promote vaccination. Recovery for a woman suffering from COVID-19. Doctors at Orlando Health think the virus somehow targeted her spinal cord. Now she's gone from paralyzed to walking on her own again. Geneva Breyer Daniels had COVID-19 symptoms in September of last year. Ah, did you catch that too? She had COVID symptoms. <laughs> did she have COVID? We don't know. She had symptoms. So what, like a, like a sniffly nose and a headache? Yeah, yeah, COVID-19 for sure. Great. Great. And then one day she woke up paralyzed. Orlando Health says the infection caused her spinal cord to become inflamed, causing a rare condition called transverse myelitis. Now, got it, after a got it. OK, so just randomly wakes up the next day and she's paralyzed. Does that sound like COVID-19 in any way it's ever been discussed? Does it sound except for the fact that they just under the umbrella of COVID, anything's possible, right? Which clearly in, 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 implies that it's not what it looks like. OK, well, you can watch the rest of the clip elsewhere. Here's what I find to be most insulting. And this is my point from before. So they're willing to just hypothetically argue with nothing to prove it that it was COVID. That's easy. Because that's everywhere you look. And in this investigative report for Fox News, apparently they didn't do their due diligence to find out that there is an endless amount of reports and peer-reviewed science that clearly show you that these injections can cause that exact problem. COVID-19 vaccine trial in a trial participant had serious neurological symptoms. A rare but serious spinal inflammation disorder called transverse myelitis. Right, in, a tr in the trials even. Here's more. September 25th, 2021. Acute transverse myelitis after COVID-19 va vaccination. 2022, February 21st. Case reports of acute transverse myelitis associated with mRNA vaccine for COVID-19. Acute autoimmune transverse myelitis following COVID vaccination. December 23rd, 2021. Here's another one. December 2021, transverse myelitis, 48 hours after the administration. of Guys, I could have kept going forever. There was an endless list of this. It was crazy. COVID-19 vaccination, transverse myelitis reaction, investigation expanded. The FDA, the FDA is looking into this. It's October 6th. We're going to pretend that the FDA is literally investigating whether this is connected to the injection, and these reporters couldn't figure that out. It's because they're not journalists. This is propaganda. They were propagandizing the thing they were told to propagandize, ignoring all of the evidence while screaming, trust the science. But yeah, this woman got sniffles and that caused her to be paralyzed because COVID. Guys, it's obvious that the most likely possibility is the injection caused this. And that's she probably never even had anything as far as I can tell. 
But I mean, those are all assumptions. We can't. The provable part, though, is that they don't even mention this. It's all COVID-19. That's where we are today. Now, to finish this up, two last parts. The excess mortality part that is just everywhere that they don't want to look at. Dr. Claire Craig has been sharing some good stuff on this. Keep sharing this one. Western European countries in the European mortality surveillance tool, Euromomo, the one that they claim that's their service, right? Have m- had more death above expected levels in 2022 with all the life-saving juice in the world, right? Than in 2020 or 2021. And it's not COVID-19. This is everywhere you look except highly vaccinated locations. But total coincidence though, right? How do you explain this? And the problem is it's easy to explain because all the problems that they're individually, respectively pointing out are slim and possible and rare and everything else. Even if they are all rare, piled together, show you the risk is not worth it. But then you realize that they're not all rare. Most of these are pretty severe and they're happening everywhere and they just don't want you to look. And that's why this is even happening because they're just lumping it all together. They're ignoring it all. Baffling brain diseases, baffling excess death, baffling SIDS and SADS and everything else. It's everywhere. I mean, think of what even what I just rattled off. Think about how silly this is, how obvious this is, how sad this is. England, we can see the 95% efficacy against infection, particularly in the highlighted age group with the lowest estimate. What was the bivalent booster made available to them in recent months? This is more being facetious about it. You can see the over 70s and the risk or the rather the it says forgot about the dashboard. Spring booster means dose four. Autumn means dose five. Just get whatever's available. I mean, their own data undermines exactly what they're trying to argue. In cor- the correlation in Japan is just ridiculous. Every kink, dark line vaccines, pale line vac- cases. It's correlation, yes, but taken in conjunction-, conjunction with everything else, look at those graphs. As she says, every kink, every up, ebb, and flow, it's exactly in line with the injection. It is ridiculous. You can't ignore that kind of correlation. Every time you give injections, the cases spike and the problems go up every single time. Every time you stop giving them, it goes down. Come on, guys. This is painful. Over 75, she writes, just had their worst summer of COVID deaths. I wonder why. That's the ones they focused on the most. Summer excess death in England mortality by age group. It's all there. Everything you need to see. Their own data is exposing the problem. I don't even know why. That, I mean, I do know why. I, they're committed to this. They are lost in this, and I think they're well aware of the problem. I think they're well aware of their criminal culpability at this point. Here's Kimberly Biss, an MD and OBGYN, explaining that her hospital has seen an alarming rise in exactly what they want you to think isn't happening. This is everywhere. I'm an OBGYN that practices in St. Pete, Florida. I can definitely say since the vaccine rollout started, we have seen in our practice a decrease in new OB numbers, which would be infertility by about 50%. We've also seen an increase in miscarriage rate by about 50%. And I would say there's probably about a 25% increase in abnormal pap smears, as well as cervical malignancies in our area. That's cancer. I mean, guys, this is literally anybody who's willing to be honest on the record. It's everywhere. The funeral homes, the autopsies, the OG, OBGYNs, the nurses, the doctors that are out there telling you, I mean, like Dr. Cole and every, every, elsewhere, what you're seeing is, exp- is exposing it. A dramatic increase in all these random problems. Where does it all come from? 
You can't just keep blaming COVID for things that are completely unrelated. The reality is the injection is causing people to be more ill in general. And it's also adding problems you're blaming on other things. It's everywhere. As she points out as well, Dr. Claire Craig, log graph shows how much more severe COVID and death there was for each period compared to three to nine weeks after dose two. Dots left of the line show less severe disease and death because of the Omicron and not Delta. It says first 14 days after boost was counted as as more than 20 weeks after second to after second dose. So quickly cut to the chase on this. I was going to go deeper on this, but this is really interesting to me. All the links are down here. Look at what they do here. This goes back to the same point we keep making about how they play with the first 14 to 21 days. In this case, they play with everything before dose two. Dose two. How does that even possibly make sense? So look, everything is can, everything before from dose one to up to dose two gets lumped into the over 20 weeks after dose two category right there. And look at where that goes. Look at the dot. The dot all the way to the right. It's because of that. That's where all the problems are happening. It's five times the risk in that category. That's where they're couching all the problems because you know what they call it all? Unvaccinated. Now apparently under dose two. This is a crime. They are willfully hiding this. As she said, they only use data from the 20th of December onwards, assuming that it was all Omicron. It's an assumption, first of all. Significant portion of hospitalization and death in December 2020 will have been from Delta, it says. It says, they state, we exclude events that occurred within the first 14 days after the completion of the primary vaccination. Think about that. So they're excluding everything that happens all the way up until 14 days after two doses. How do you even explain that to allow time for full immune response? Right. So you need one dose, 14 days, two dose, 14 days, and only then are you considered even injected? Wow. Talk about moving the goalpost. But then they add, and this is what exposes their lie and that they know they're lying. Quote, for the same reason, the 14-day period after the booster dose, whichever one they're talking about, was counted as the exposure period after primary dose. But if that's the case, why not exclude it, right? You're talking about the 14-day period. Well, it doesn't make any sense. It's counterintuitive. So the point is, all they wanted to really get out, get exclude, oops, was the time when everything happens. As you've known, as I pointed out before, I guess I'll include it again since this is important. And again, only one of the places where you can find this, just the one that I usually pull up. The point is, guys, Everything that happens in a, even before this, within 14 to 21 days of that first dose is counted as unvaccinated. And that's when 80 plus percent of, of all the problems happen. As you can see, right here on Alberta's, they, they deleted this afterward. Not the whole page, just this one graph. Never explained why. That's why it's in the way back machine. Total cases, total hospitalizations, total death. You can see that every single graph happens within the first majority happens in the first 21 days. But now, in this report, what they're doing is jump, is lumping together everything under 20 weeks after dose two. That is wild. It's a crime, guys. They are lying to you. And as Toby Young points out, a study finally looks at the all-cause death by vaccination. Now, I think in the interest of time, I'm going to go through this in a future show. But what they're doing here is, is the epitome of dishonesty. Well, let me see if I can fly through it real quick. The results are incredible. That is to say, not credible. They literally claim that if you take this fourth dose, you are 71% less, less likely to die from anything. 
And this is insulting to your intelligence. It's not even the first time they tried to swing this argument. Don't forget that back in October, or actually, where was this? Oh, wait, that was the new one. Oh, I should, well, it's, a, it's same point. Remember, they already sold you on this idea before this. Oh, no, this is the right one. Excuse me. I saw October. I thought it was the old one. October 22nd, 2021. People vaccinated against COVID-19, totally different injection, by the way, less likely to die from any cause. That's actually what they wanted you to think. How do you even make sense of that? Some kind of miracle juice? They just It, it was proven to be false, by the way, later. This is still up, and you can still find it. Fake news, right? But now they're doing the same thing again. Let me see real quick. Yeah, well, let's just finish it off. I'm not that far off. Okay, so it says, I was pointed recently to a study from Sweden which looks at all-cause death rates by vaccination status, something very few studies do. Published in July, it compares all-cause mortality in those who had three and those who had four doses among the over 80s and care home residents in Sweden. The results are, to be blunt, incredible, which is to say they're not credible. They purport to show that compared to three doses, a fourth vaccine dose reduces all-cause mortality by 71%, but in the over 80s, and 39% in care home residents during the first two months. I mean, this is the game of playing, like, we're, very few people have that dose compared to who have the third, Right. And even more so than the second. So you already have a situation where it's harder to show the risk at a time when fewer, fewer people are reporting that. So it's just a breakdown of the reportable information to make it look like this is less dangerous than before. Regardless of this, it is absolutely asinine to argue this shot increases the all cause, decreases the mortality of these over 80s by 71%, despite the fact that the first three increase their risk. And it's the same shot. Let me say that again. He says the study is claiming that in over 80s, a fourth vaccine cuts deaths from all causes. That's including heart disease, dementia, cancer, everything, as well as COVID by 71%. It's ridiculous. As he goes on to say, COVID deaths make up just 8% of the overall deaths in general. Yet somehow it's cutting 71% of all other things. It's clearly a miracle, right? That's clearly something, there's clearly something wrong here. A vaccine booster which reduces COVID deaths by 40%, which is what they claim, it's not even accurate, at most cannot reduce all-cause mortality by 71% when COVID deaths make up such a small portion of overall deaths. The insinuation has to be that this injection stops other things from happening, which that's, there's no way that makes sense. I mean, I could argue it's certainly possible, but it's, it's absurd, and they're not even making that argument. They're arguing this stops COVID, and therefore that's why this happens. But his point is, if it only makes up 8% of the overall deaths we're talking about, and this are, even by their own argument, this reduces the COVID deaths by 40%, where's the 71% all mortality reduction come from? It would imply that the booster is massively cutting deaths from every cause under the sun, including the things that we know that it's causing, heart disease, deaths, cancers, problems, everything. There's no evidence for this at all, not even in their study. The opposite, in fact, COVID waves since Delta have been accompanied by significant numbers of excess non-COVID deaths, as we all know, many of which in England, at least, are in the over 75 age group, the cohort which received the fourth dose in spring. Right. So the area that's having the most ex exponentially overwhelming excess death we're baffled by is somehow having a 71% reduction in all-cause mortality by the very thing that we know is connected to what's happening. I mean, this is... Everything else, we're, this is what we're seeing everywhere. It's not even, it shouldn't even surprise us anymore, but it's just so frustrating. It says it only goes to show that what we need is the full data. 
not the way that they drip it out to you. Mortality data broken down by cause, age group, vaccination status, prior infection status, and underlying conditions. Individualized as far as is consistent with anonymity. Released so that it can be analyzed properly, independently. And obviously anomalous results like this Swedish study avoided. Stop the press. This is an update, it looks like. The Enamoratus professor uh, from Ep- of epidemiology from the U.S. has got in touch with them, and he says he fully agrees with the critique of this ridiculous study. So another fake news anti-science expert, right? Although they estimated vaccine efficacy at days 7 and 60, the KM curves, the chart above, are shown since day one. They diverge at the very beginning. We don't expect any beneficial effects so quickly. That's clear evidence for the healthy vaccine effect, i.e. clear evidence of confounding, meaning it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense from a peer-reviewed study perspective. So this is an expert peer-reviewing it and saying that's clearly false. Two, KM curves are unadjusted, of course, but the data in the tables, which you just looked at, allow us to see what adjustment did. Comparing an unadjusted vaccine efficacy, which can be computed by hand from the for, by hand from the rates, to partially adjusted and then to fully adjusted, it seems that we observe some strengthening of the beneficial effect following adjustment. That implies negative confounding, i.e., fourth dose recipients were sicker to begin with, not healthier. That's exactly the point. So you're hurting them with this injection, giving them some kind of spur of the moment thing that quickly causes a, re- a reaction. And you're doing a quick study of that and then not looking at what happens to them two months, a, a day, a week, three months down the line, which is when they all start to fall off, which is what we all know by now. It says, but we, So we didn't see the true benefit before adjustment, but I don't think there was any anywhere preferential vaccination of elderly or care home residents in worse mental or physical state. If anything, it was the opposite. So yes, another use of study and another absurd claim, but they don't care. Here's the study itself. You can laugh at it for yourself. And don't forget, they're, they're giving this to people that are elderly and frail with comorbidities, right? And acting like we know it helps them. Well, guess what? Still, As of September 2022, it still says that the use in frail patients with comorbidities, i.e. elderly people, there is limited information on the safety, which means we don't know if it's safe, guys. We don't know if it's safe, and they're doing it anyway. Now, finally, just so you know, and I'm going to follow more on this as it goes forward, Christian uh, Terres, member of European Parliament, has been tweeting about this. Ursula von der Leyen must resign her job since the EU commission is currently under investigation by EU prosecutors. She cannot lecture states on the rule of law, the rules-based order, right, while she destroyed documents in her own text messages, just like Hillary Clinton, between herself and the Pfizer CEO over a multi-billion dollar or euro vaccine procurement. That's, that's what just happened. She's acting like she's like, I don't know what happened to him. She deleted her own information because there's some very criminal activity happening here. The EPPO confirms that it has an ongoing investigation into her and the dealings of this deal or dealings of this, of this uh, contract. And the committee chair has just pointed out some big problems related to her and Pfizer. No transparency of contracts, deleting evidence, the obligation to buy from Pfizer. Read these for yourself, guys. It is painfully clear that there is a lot going on that they really don't want you to see. That's everywhere you look, the U.S., the U.K., everywhere. The EU commission should immediately terminate contracts for new doses of fake vaccines. This is what uh, this member of parliament is saying. And demand the return of 2.5 billion euros paid so far. That's not going to happen. Everyone who lied that the vaccines prevent the spread of the transmission, uh, prevent the spread of the virus, must be held accountable. 
Now he's one of the people framing this as the breaking story that just got revealed. So that's not true, but I still agree with the fact that it's important and that we need to make sure we see that they lied and very clearly did suggest that's how this goes. Finally, Pfizer and Moderna have a PR firm sitting on the CDC's vaccine advisory committee. The people we believe are holding drug companies to account to ensure our drugs are safe are not doing their jobs. Drug regulation is broken. PR firm that represents Moderna also just happens to sit on the CDC vaccine advisory committee. What do you know? It's everywhere, guys. I mean, it's not they they'll have some excuse for why that's needed or blah, blah, blah. The reality is it is broken. The question is, was it ever working? We live in a, in a position now where we start, we need to start asking these larger questions, whether or not we've ever had an effect on this stuff, whether we're finally just breaking through the illusion that's been placed on us for a long time. However you look at it, we're there now. Hopefully we can all agree on that. And all we can keep doing is fighting for this truth and putting this truth out there and taking real world action as often as we can. Vote with your dollar. Go out there and get this in front of people. But this needs to continue no matter what we do. So continue to support the independent media. Continue to support any place out there that you believe is fighting for you. So be sure to continue to follow us on these platforms that we're working on. Parlor, as you know, we're working on lately more than anything in regard to the new grouping, the new agreement we just made. But follow us on the rest of them as well. As I said the other day, Sovereign is one that I want to continue to promote as well. But any of the ones fighting for you, Odyssey, BitChute, all of them, make sure you continue to support the independent media. I love you all. You inspire me every single day by continuing to make this clear. We are making a difference, despite whether the middle ups and higher ups want to acknowledge that we were doing this. You were doing this from the very beginning. You made a difference. Understand that. Never lose sight of that. You made a difference. Every actual person you talked to and got to, and broke through, you, I, I believe you saved their life. lives. <laughs> I really do. I mean that wholeheartedly. So own that. Know that you made a difference because they'll never let you see it. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Tonight, keeping drug companies honest, a story that's simply stunning about multi-million dollar profits and illegal activity at this country's biggest drug company. The Justice Department alleges Johnson & Johnson boosted sales by paying millions of dollars in kickbacks to pharmacists and doctors who pushed the drug Risperdal to patients who did not need it. The medical editors of that journal accused the drug company Merck of misleading them about the dangers of Vioxx, of hiding the fact that it caused even more heart attacks than previously known. Johnson & Johnson paid $2.2 billion. Eli Lilly paid $1.4 billion. Pfizer and its subsidiary paid $2.3 billion. And GlaxoSmithKline paid out a record $3 billion. For seven years, Glaxo failed to report data showing its best-selling diabetes drug. Avandia increased the risk of heart attack by as much as 40%. Opioid epidemic has killed more than 400,000 Americans. Tonight, Purdue agreeing to pay more than $8 billion in penalties. Antidepressant Paxil wasn't approved for use by patients under 18. The company illegally marketed the drug for use by children, even when a clinical trial found teenagers who took the drug for depression were more likely to commit suicide than those taking a placebo. Purdue Pharma pleading guilty to felony charges of defrauding federal health agencies and violating federal kickback laws for inducing doctors to prescribe those powerful opioids. Glaxo also hired a company to write a medical journal article downplaying the risks. The firm used PR firms and paid several doctors, including the U.S. celebrity doctor, Drew Pinsky, to promote the drug. If you can't trust medical research that gets published in very established journals, what can you trust? But as Bob Orr reports, the massive settlement may not lead to much change.
is fraud the business model of the pharmaceutical industry? No one's going to jail. No one's going to prison. And worse yet, they've set up a situation where Purdue's going to be able to continue on. You look at this thing, and I mean, if Pfizer is too big to fail, and even the biggest fine in history is just a few months' profit, then what's going to stop it from illegally promoting other drugs? Critics say Anderson nothing.